Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and In these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World. Um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recordings. You can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast. We have so much content happening right now. Um, But you're here for Corona Cold Reads for Shakespeare. Um, So these are cold reads for the most part. Uh, Our actors did not have more than a day, maybe two if they're lucky, um, to look over the text if they wanted to. Most of them didn't have the chance to. So it is just them sitting down and reading it cold. Um, so you'll, you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and some times when we may have to pause and, um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or, you know, how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. Okay. Titus Andronicus. Um, this is a Shakespeare lover's one one of our, our favorite plays. Um, it is in that sort of small section of the texts where um, it's not super well known, but it's produced surprisingly often. And there is a prominent film version. Um, but if you're the sort of person who really only knows Romeo, Juliet and Hamlet, um, you've never heard of Titus Andronicus. But if you know Shakespeare at all, you know Titus Andronicus, whereas, you know, it's not exactly Pericles. It's in that middle ground, and it is um, beloved by people, like, nowadays. Like, people who are really into Shakespeare think Titus is really cool and has a lot of directorial room for interpretation, and it's really fun to produce, and you can be really creative with it, and it has a lot of really interesting challenges to it. Scholars have always looked down on Titus. It is considered a primitive play, Um, It is one of his earliest works, 
and it is often derided as a sort of early attempt at a revenge play that was, you know, perfected with Hamlet, um, which obviously is ridiculous. Um, it is a totally its own play. I would not say it's one of my personal favorites just because the intensity and the aggression of it is just really not my cup of tea. Um, but I totally understand what people see in it. Um, there is a lot of complexity. There's a lot of just raw energy and a lot of pure emotion. Um, and it is, it's a, a rare Shakespeare play that's largely out of its own head and out of the characters' heads. Um, people are really reacting and reacting strongly. There's not a, as much sort of plotting and planning. People just do things and follow their guts. And it is brutal. Um, it is by far the most violent Shakespeare play. Um, it, and it is violent in a, in a particularly upsetting way. Um, there is... Obviously, there's a, a famous scene at the end where revenge is gotten on two characters um, in a really disgusting sort of way that's very visceral. And um, and, and there's a, an intellectual torture component uh, for those characters' mother, um, which is tricky. But really, the, the, the hardest part is the atrocity that you, you could sort of say it kicks off the actual action of the play, although... Um, we are introduced to this world with this understanding of this is brutal. We kill major characters in the first scene. People are introduced as enslaved. It is a really harsh world from the get-go. But when the big event happens, um, I believe at the beginning of Act 2, um, is when the drama and the, the sort of revenge plot really kicks off. And that is uh, the rape and mutilation of Lavinia, which is just devastating um and in, in in terms of violence against women it is the singular crime of shakespeare's canon um i will say however unlike uh some of the violence against women that you see in some other plays like uh for example two gents um something that's special about titus andronicus is that the rape and mutilation of lavinia is treated as the horror that it is um, one of the most offensive things in the canon is this idea that horrible things will happen, but because they're not happening to characters that maybe sh from Shakespeare's perspective or the perspective of the time were not as important, they are sort of swept under the rug or they're placed within comedy uh, is really one of the largest issues is when they're placed within comedy. Um, and so they're just not treated as that bad. And that is what the problem is. It's not the representation of the horrible thing. It is the not caring about the horrible thing happening. Um, and so when it comes to Lavinia, it is horrific and everyone knows it's horrific and the characters around her respond in kind. And I think that's the important part. And, um, I think that's what makes this the sort of thing that you don't cut around. You don't. Um, sort of ease off of it. You don't try and humanize anybody or, or um, sort of direct around it as a problem. You show it and then you let the characters come in and respond to it the way that they respond to it because all of the horror and all of that grief is written into the text and it is fully reckoned with, which I think is really a really special thing for its time. And, and even for now, um, you often see these things not 
reckoned with in a way that feels like they're understanding the gravity. Um, so Marcus has a Marcus Andronicus has a really beautiful speech and a really beautiful scene in response to um, what happens to Lavinia, as well as the rest of the characters. Like everything falls out from there, um, but Marcus in particular has a really stirring scene in response and um, in this reading Marcus Andronicus is played by Amy Keating who is one of Toronto's great empathetic performers Um, she's a really beautiful listener she's got a real tenderness and a real um, just like a a kindness to her that really permeates all of her performances and so she was just a really really wonderful Marcus Andronicus and I hope you enjoy that in the reading um Andre Sills returns as well um to play Aaron and he is always it's always such a pleasure to have him he's so extraordinary um he was our Edmund and he'll go on to play our Othello and so um he's just a really stirring Aaron uh Shailen McFall returns to Tamara which is a role she played at Heart House and she's just spectacular our Titus is Christopher Prentice who's such a pro Um, But I hope you enjoy this reading. I do suggest the one thing I will say about listening to it, though it is worth listening to because of what happens to Lavinia. One of the things about her mutilation is that they cut out her tongue so that she can't name her accusers. So um, it it is a strange role because she's on stage a lot, but she doesn't have very many lines because something terrible happens to her early on that makes it impossible for her to actually have lines. But it's important that she be a going concern in the play, that she be present. She's always there. It's a large part. It's just not a lot of lines. So um, we cast Elizabeth Ramirez, who had played this role before back in the university. And so I knew that she could do it. And I knew um, sort of what that would look like. And I really wanted to make sure that she was seen. And so we, this was, I believe, the first time we arranged the cameras in a way where there were people who were, everyone in the scene was on camera and filmed whether they were speaking or not. We used to film these in speaker mode um, and now we're in gallery mode with the rest of the cast's cameras off. Um, So it is really useful, I think, to go and watch the YouTube version of this because Elizabeth gives a full performance for the whole course of the play, um, despite being largely silent for, you know, four of the five acts. So um, I think that if you have the opportunity, go check out the the YouTube video version of this so that you don't miss the great work that Elizabeth is doing because it really is very heart-wrenching. So... Um, obviously content warnings up the wazoo with this one cause Titus is brutal. Um, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. I think it's a really interesting play. And if you can go check out the YouTube because you don't want to miss what Elizabeth was doing. Noble patricians, patrons of my right, defend the justice of my cause with arms and countrymen, my loving followers, plead my successive title with your swords. I am his firstborn son. That was the last that wore the imperial diadem of Rome. Then let my father's honors live in me. Nor wrong mine age with this indignity. Romans, friends, followers, favorers of my right. If ever Bassianus Caesar's son were gracious in the eyes of royal Rome, keep them this passage to the capital and suffer not dishonor to approach the imperial seat, to virtue consecrate, to justice, continence, and nobility, but let desert in pure election shine. And Romans, 
Fight for freedom in your choice. Enter Marcus Andronicus, aloft with the crown. Princes that strive by factions and by friends ambitiously for rule and empery, know that the people of Rome, for whom we stand a special party, have by common voice, in election for the Roman empery, chosen Andronicus, surnamed Pius, for many good and great deserts to Rome. A nobler man, a braver warrior, lives not this day within the city walls. He, by the Senate, is accident home from weary wars against the barbarous Goths, that, with his sons, a terror to our foes, hath yoked a nation strong, trained up in arms. Ten years are spent since first he undertook this cause of Rome, and chastised with arms our enemies' pride. Five times he hath returned, bleeding to Rome, bearing his valiant sons in coffins from the field. And now at last, laden with horror's spoils, returns the good Andronicus to Rome. Renowned Titus, flourishing in arms, let us entreat by honor of his name, whom worthily you would have now succeed. And in the capital and senate's right, whom you pretend to honor and adore, that you withdraw you and abate your strength, dismiss your followers, and as suitors should, plead, plead your deserts in peace and humbleness. Elfair the Tribune speaks to calm my thoughts. Marcus Andronicus, so I do ally in thy uprightness and integrity, and so I love and honor thee and thine, thy noble brother Titus and his sons, and her to whom my thoughts are humbled all. Gracious Lavinia, Rome's rich ornament, that I will here dismiss my loving friends, and to my fortunes and the people's favor commit my cause in balance to be weighed. Exit the followers of Bassianus. Friends that have been thus forward in my right, I thank you all, and here dismiss you all. And to the love and favor of my country commit myself, my person, and the cause. Exempt the followers of Saturninus. Rome, be as just and gracious unto me as I am confident and kind to be. Open the gates and let me in. Tribunes and me, a poor competitor. Flourish, Saturninus and Bassianus go up into the capital. Enter a captain. Romans, make way. The good Andronicus, patron of virtue, Rome's best champion, successful in the battles that he fights, with honor and with fortune is returned, from where he circumscribed with his sword and brought to yoke the enemies of Rome. Drums and trumpets sounded, enter Martius and Mucius, after them two men bringing a coffin covered with black, then Lucius and Quintus, after them Titus Andronicus, and then Tamara, with the Larbus, Demetrius, Chiron, Aaron, and other Goths, prisoners. Soldiers and people following, the bearers set down the coffin, and Titus speaks. Hail, Rome, victorious in thy mourning weeds. Lo, as the bark that hath discharged her fraught returns with precious jading to the bay from whence at first she weighed her anchorage, cometh Andromachus, bound with laurel boughs, to re-salute his country with his tears. Tears of true joy for his return to Rome. Thou, great defender of this capital, stand gracious to the rights that we intend. Romans, of five and twenty valiant sons, half of the number that King Priam had, 
Behold the poor remains, alive and dead. These that survive, let Rome reward with love. These that I bring unto their latest home with burial amongst their ancestors. Here Goths have given me leave to sheathe my sword. Titus, unkind and careless of thine own, why sufferest thou thy sons unburied yet to hover on the dreadful shore of Styx? Make way to lay them by their brethren. There, greet in silence, as the dead are wont, and sleep in peace, slain in your country's wars. O sacred receptacle of my joys, sweet cell of virtue and nobility, how many sons of mine hast thou in store that thou wilt never render to me more? Give us the proudest prisoner of the Goths, that we may hew his limbs, and on a pile Admanus Fratrum sacrifices flesh before this earthy prison of their bones, that so the shadows be not unappeased, nor we disturbed with prodigies on earth. I give him you, the noblest that survives, the eldest son of this distressed queen. Stay, Roman brethren, gracious conqueror, victorious Titus, rue the tears I shed, a mother's tears in passion for her son. And if thy sons were ever dear to thee, oh, think my son to be as dear to me. Sufficeth not that we are brought to Rome to beautify thy triumphs and return captive to thee and to thy Roman yoke. But must my sons be slaughtered in the streets for valiant doings in their country's cause? Oh, if to fight for king in commonweal or piety in thine, it is in these. Andronicus, sting not thy tomb with blood. Wilt thou draw near the nature of the gods? Draw near them, then, in being merciful. Sweet mercy is nobility's true badge. Thrice noble Titus, spare my firstborn son. Patient yourself, madam, and pardon me. These are their brethren, whom you Goths beheld, beheld alive and dead, and for their brethren slain religiously they ask a sacrifice. To this your son is marked, and die he must, to appease their groaning shadows that are gone. Away with him, and make a fire straight, and with our swords upon a pile of wood let's hew his limbs till they be clean consumed. Exit Lucius Quintus Martius Mutus, Mutius with Alarbus. Cruel, irreligious piety. Was ever Scythia half so barbarous? Who's not Scythia to ambitious Rome? Alarbus goes to rest, and we survive to tremble under Titus's threatening looks. Then, madam, stand resolved, but hope with all the self-same gods that armed the queen of Troy with opportunity of sharp revenge upon the Tracian tyrant in his tent may favor Tamora, the queen of the gods. When goths were goths and Tamora was queen, to quit the bloody wrongs upon her foes. We enter Lucius, Quintus, Martius, and Mucius. Lift their swords bloody. See, Lord and Father, how we have performed our Roman rites. Alarbus's limbs are lopped, and entrails feed the sacrificing fire, whose smoke, like incense, doth perfume the sky. Remaineth not but to inter our brethren, and with loud larums welcome them to Rome. Let it be so. And let Andronicus make this his latest farewell to their souls. Trumpet sounded and the coffin laid in the tomb. 
In peace and honor rest you here, my sons. Rome's readiest champions repose you here in rest, secure from worldly chances and mishaps. Here lurks no treason. Here no envy swells. Here grow no damned grudges. Here are no storms, no noise, but silence and eternal sleep. In peace and honor rest you here, my sons. Enter Lavinia. In peace and honor live Lord Titus Long. My noble lord and father live in fame. Lo, at this tomb my tributary tears I render for my brethren's obsequies. And at thy feet I kneel with tears of joy shed on the earth for thy return to Rome. O bless me here with thy victorious hand, whose whose fortunes Rome's best citizens applaud. Kind Rome, that hast thus lovingly reserved the cordial of mine age to glad my heart. Lavinia, live. Outlive thy father's days and fame's eternal date for virtue's praise. Enter below Marcus Andronicus and Tribunes. Re-enter Saturninus and Bassianus attended. Long live Lord Titus, my beloved brother, gracious triumpher in the eyes of Rome. Thanks, gentle Tribune, noble brother Marcus. <laughs> and welcome, nephews, from successful wars, you that survive and you that sleep in fame. Fair lords, your fortunes are, all, are alike in all that in your country's service drew your swords. But safer triumph is this funeral pomp that hath aspired to Solon's happiness and triumphs over chance in honor's bed. Titus Andronicus, the people of Rome, whose friend in justice thou hast ever been, send thee by me, their tribune and their trust, this pallium of white and spotless hue, and name thee in election for the empire. With these our late deceased emperor's sons, be candidatus then, and put it on, and help to set a head on headless Rome. A better head her glorious body fits than his that shakes for age and feebleness. What, should I don this robe and trouble you? Be chosen with proclamation today, tomorrow yield up rule, resign my life and set abroad new business for you all? Rome, I have been thy soldier forty years, and led my country's strength successfully, and buried one and twenty valiant sons, knighted in field, slain manfully in arms, in right and service of their noble country. Give me a staff of honor for mine age, but not a scepter to control the world. Upright he held it, lords, that held it last. Titus, thou shalt obtain and ask the empery. How an ambitious tribune canst thou tell? Peace, Prince Saturninus. Romans, do me right. Patricians, draw your swords and sheath them not till Saturninus be Rome's emperor. Andronicus, would thou wert shipped to hell rather than rob me of the people's hearts. Proud Saturnine, interrupter of the good that noble-minded Titus means to thee. Content thee, prince. I will restore to thee the people's hearts and wean them from themselves. Andronicus, I do not flatter thee, but honor thee and will do till I die. My faction, if thou strengthen with thy friends, I will most thankful be. And thanks to men of noble minds is honorable me. People of Rome and people's tribunes here, I ask your voices and your suffrages. 
Will you bestow them friendly on Andronicus? Gratify the good Andronicus and gratulate his safe return to Rome. The people will accept whom he admits. Tribunes, I thank you. And this suit I make, that you create your emperor's eldest son, Lord Saturnine, whose virtues will, I hope, reflect on Rome as titans raise on earth and ripen justice in this commonweal. Then, if you will elect by my advice, crown him and say, long live our emperor. With voices and applause of every sort, patricians and plebeians, we create Lord Saturninus, Rome's great emperor, and say, long live our emperor Saturnine. <laughs> A long flourish till they come down. Uh, Titus Andronicus, for thy favors done to us in our election this day, I give thee thanks in part of thy deserts, and will with deeds requite thy gentleness. And for an onset, Titus, to advance thy name and honorable family. Lavinia will I make my empress, Rome's royal mistress, ooh, mistress of my heart, and in the sacred pantheon her espouse. Tell me, Andronicus, doth this motion please thee? It doth, my worthy lord, and in this match I hold me highly honored of your grace. And here, in sight of Rome, to Saturnine, king and commander of our commonweal, the wide world's emperor, do I consecrate my sword, my chariot, and my prisoners, presence well worthy Rome's imperial lord. Receive them, then, the tribute that I owe, mine honor's ensigns humbled at thy feet, Thanks, noble Titus, father of my life. How proud I am of thee and of thy gifts. Rome shall record, and when I do forget the least of these unspeakable deserts, Romans, forget your fealty to me. Now, madam, are you prisoner to an emperor? To him, that for your honor and your state will use you nobly and your followers. A goodly lady, trust me. The hue that I would choose were I to choose a new. <sighs> Clear up, fair queen, that cloudy countenance. Though chance of war hath wrought this change of cheer, thou comest not to be made a scorn in Rome. Princely shall be thy usage every way. Rest on my word, and let not discontent daunt all your hopes. Madam, he comforts you, can make you greater than the queen of Goths. Lavinia, you are not displeased with this? Not I, my lord. Sit true nobility warrants these words in princely courtesy. Yes, thanks, sweet Lavinia. Romans, let us go. Ransomless here, we set our prisoners free. Proclaim our honors, lords, with trump and drum. Flourish, Saturninus courts Tamara in a dumb show. Lord Titus, by your leave, this maid is mine. Seizing Lavinia. How, sir? Are you in earnest, then, my lord? Aye, noble Titus, and result withal to do myself this reason and this right. Sum cuique is our Roman justice. This prince in justice seizeth, seizeth but his own. And that he will and shall, if Lucius live. Traitors of vaunt! Where is the emperor's guard? 
Treason, my lord. Lavinia is surprised. Surprised? By whom? By him that justly may bear his betrothed from all the world away. Exempt Bassianus and Marcus with Lavinia. Brothers, help to convey her hence away, and with my sword I'll keep this door safe. Exempt Lucius, Quintus, and Martius. Follow, my lord, and I'll soon bring her back. My lord, you pass not here. What, villain boy? Barst me my way in Rome. Stabbing Mucius. Help, Lucius, help! Dies. During the fray, Saturninus, Tamara, Demetrius, Chiron, and Aaron go out and re-enter above. Re-enter Lucius. My lord, you are unjust, and more than so in wrongful quarrel you have slain your son. Nor thou nor he are any sons of mine. My sons would never so dishonor me. Traitor, restore Lavinia to the emperor. Dead if you will, but not to be his wife. That is another's lawful, promised love. Exit. No, Titus, no. Uh, the emperor needs her not. Nor hers, nor thee, nor any of thy stock. I'll trust by leisure him that mocks me once. Thee, never. Nor thy traitorous hardy sons. Confederates all thus to dishonor me. Was there none else in Rome to make a stale but Saturnine? Full well, Andronicus, agree these deeds with that proud bag of thine that saidst I begged the empire at thy hands. Oh, monstrous. What reproachful words are these? Mm -mm, but go thy ways. Go! Give that changing peace to him that flourished for her with his sword, a valiant son-in-law thou shalt enjoy. <laughs> One fit to bandy with thy lawless sons to repel in the commonwealth of Rome. These words are razors to my wounded heart. And therefore... Lovely Tamara, queen of gods, that like the stately feed amongst her nymphs dost overshine the gallant dames of Rome, if thou be pleased with this my sudden choice, behold, I choose thee, Tamara, for my bride, and will create thee empress of Rome. Speak, queen of gods, dost thou applaud my choice? And here I swear by all Roman gods, Sith priest and holy water are so near, and tapers burn so bright, and everything in readiness for Hymenaeus stand. I will not re-salute the streets of Rome or climb my palace till from forth this place I lead espoused my bride along with me. And here, in sight of heaven to Rome, I swear, if Saturnine advance the queen of Goths, she will a handmaid be to his desires, a loving nurse. A mother to his youth. Ascend, fair queen, Pantheon. Lords, accompany your noble emperor and his lovely bride, sent by the heavens for Prince Saturnine, whose wisdom hath her fortune conquered. There shall we uh, consummate our spousal right. Exempt all but Titus. I am not bid to wait <laughs> upon this bride. Titus, when wert thou want to walk alone, dishonored thus, and challenged of wrongs? Re-enter Marcus, Lucius, Quintus, and Martius. Oh, Titus, see, oh, see what thou hast done, in a bad quarrel slain a virtuous son. No, foolish tribune, no. 
No son of mine, nor thou, nor these confederates in the deed that hath dishonored all our family, unworthy brother and unworthy sons. But let us give him a burial as becomes. Give Mucius burial with our brethren. Traitors away. He rests not in this tomb. This monument five hundred years hath stood, which I have sumptuously re-edified. Here none but soldiers and Rome's servitors repose in fame, none basely slain in brawls. Bury him where you can. He comes not here. My lord, this is impiety in you. My nephew Mucius's deeds do plead for him. He must be buried with his brethren. And shall, or him we will accompany. And shall? What villain was it that spake that word? He that would vouch it any place but here. What? Would you bury him in my despite? No, noble Titus, but entreat of thee to pardon Mucius and to bury him. Marcus, even thou hast struck upon my crest, and with these boys, mine honor, thou hast wounded. My foes, I do repute you every one. So trouble me no more, but get you gone. He is not with himself. Let us withdraw. Not I, till Mucius' bones be buried. Marcus and the sons of Titus kneel. Brother, for in that name doth nature plead. Father, and in that name doth nature speak. Speak thou no more, if all the rest will speed. Renowned Titus, more than half my soul. Dear Father, soul in substance of us all. Suffer thy brother Marcus to enter his noble nephew here in virtue's nest that died in honor and Lavinia's cause. Thou art a Roman, be not barbarous. The Greeks upon advice did bury Ajax that slew himself, and wise Laertes' son did graciously plead for his funerals. Let not young Mucius then, that was thy joy, be barred his entrance here. Rise, Marcus, rise. The dismalest day is this that e'er I saw to be dishonored by my sons in Rome. Well, bury him, and bury me the next. Mucius is put into the tomb. There lie thy bones, sweet Mucius, with thy friends, till we with trophies do adorn thy tomb. No man shed tears for noble Mucius. He lives in fame that died in virtue's cause. My lord, to step out of these dreary dumps, how come it that the subtle queen of Goths is of a sudden thus advanced in Rome? I know not, Marcus, but I know it is, whether by device or no, the heavens can tell. Is she not then beholding to the man that brought her for this high good turn so far? Yes, and will nobly him remunerate. Flourish, we enter from one side Saturninus attended, Tamara, Demetrius, Chiron, and Aaron, from the other Bassianus, Lavinia, and others. So, Bassianus, you have played your prize. God give you joy, sir, of your gallant pride. And you of yours, my lord. I say no more, no wish, no less, and so I take my leave. Traitor. If Rome have law or we have power, thou and thy faction shall repent this rape. Rape, you call it, my lord, to seize my own, my truth betrothed love, and now my wife? But let the laws of Rome determine all. Meanwhile, I am possessed of that which is mine. Woo! 
Mm-hmm. Tis good, sir. You are very short with us, but uh, if we live, we'll be as sharp with you. My lord, what I have done as best I may, answer I must and shall do with my life. Only thus much I give your grace to know. By all duties that I owe to Rome, this noble gentleman, Lord Titus here, in, is in opinion and in honor wronged. That in the rescue of Lavinia with his own hand did slay his youngest son. In zeal to you and highly moved to wrath to be controlled in that he frankly gave, receive him then. To favor Saturnine that hath expressed himself in all his deeds, a father and a friend to thee and Rome. Prince Spasianus, leave to plead my deeds. Tis thou and those that have dishonored me. Rome and the righteous heavens be my judge, how I have loved and honored Saturnine. My worthy lord, if ever Tamara were gracious in those princely eyes of thine, then let me hear me speak indifferently for all. Let my suit, sweet, pardon what is past. Be dishonored openly and basely put it up without revenge? Not so, my lord. The gods of Rome forfend I should be author to dishonor you. But on mine honor dare I undertake for good lord Titus's innocence in all, whose fury not dissembled speaks his griefs. Then, at my suit, look graciously on him, who's not so noble a friend on bane suppose, nor with sour looks afflict his gentle heart. Be one at last. Dissemble all your griefs and discontents. You are but newly planted in your throne. Lest then the people and patricians too upon a just survey take Titus' part, and so supplant you for ingratitude, which Rome reputes to be a heinous sin. Yield at entreats, and then let me alone. I'll find a day to massacre them all, and raise their faction and their family, the cruel father and his traitorous sons, to whom I sue it for my dear son's life, and make them know what tis to let a queen kneel in the streets and beg for grace in vain. Come, come, sweet emperor, come, Andronicus. Take up this good old man and cheer the heart that dies in tempest of thy angry frown. Uh, uh, Rise, Titus, rise. My empress hath prevailed. I thank your majesty and her, my lord. These words, these looks, infuse new life in me. Titus, I am incorporate in Rome, a Roman now adopted happily and must advise the emperor for his good. This day all quarrels die, Andronicus. And let it be mine honor, good my lord, that I have reconciled your friends and you. For you, Prince Bassianus, I have passed my word and promise to the emperor that you will be more mild and tractable. And fear not, lords, and you, Lavinia, by my advice, all humbled on your knees, you shall ask pardon of his majesty. We do. And bow to heaven and to his highness that what we did was mildly as we might, tendering our sister's honor and our own. That, on mine honor, here I do protest. Away and talk not, trouble us no more. Nay, nay, sweet emperor, we must all be friends. The tribune and his nephews kneel for grace. I will not be denied. Sweetheart, look back. Marcus, for thy sake, 
and my brothers here, and at my lovely Tamara's entreats, I do remit these young men's heinous faults. Stand up, Lavinia, though you left me like a churl. I found a friend, and sure as death, I swore I would not part a bachelor from the priest. Come. If the emperor's court can feast two brides, you are my guest, Lavinia, and your friends. This day shall be a love day, Tamara. Tomorrow, and it please your majesty, to hunt the panther and the hart with me, with horn and hound, we'll give your grace bonjour. Oh, be it so, Titus, and gramercy, too. Flourish, exunt. Act two, scene one, Rome before the palace. Enter Aaron. Now climbeth Tamara Olympus' top, safe under fortune's shot, and sits aloft, secure of thunder's crack or lightning's flash, advanced above pale envy's threatening reach, as when the golden sun salutes the morn and, having gilt the ocean with his beams, gallops the zodiac in his glistering coach and overlooks the highest peering hills. So... Tamara, upon her wit doth earthly honor wait, and virtue stoops and trembles at her frown. Then, Aaron, arm thy heart and fit thy thoughts to mount aloft with thy imperial mistress, and mount her pitch, whom thou in triumph long hast prisoner held, fettered in amorous chains, and faster bound to Aaron's charming eye. Cases away with slavish weeds and servile thoughts. I will be bright and shine in pearl and gold and wait upon this new made empress. <laughs> Queen, this goddess, this Samirmis, this nymph, this siren. And in his common wheel. Hola, what storm is this? Enter Demetrius and Chiron, braving. Chiron, thy years want wit, thy wit wants edge <clears throat> and manners to intrude where I am graced, and may for aught thou knowest affected be. Demetrius, thou dost overween all, and so in this to bear me down with braves? Tis not the difference of a year or two makes me less gracious or thee more fortunate. I am as able as I am as able and as fit as thou to serve, and to serve my mistress grace, yes. and that my sword upon thee shall approve and plead my passion for Vinia's love. Uh, Andre's having some internet issues, so we're just going to pause for one second. Yeah, man. Uh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? So who would win in a thumb war? Why? 
I think uh, I, I think my big brother Jimmy here would. I, I tend to assume he kicks my ass at a lot of things. You know, <laughs> that's why I'm so petulant. <laughs> So this, this is where this, this, this is yeah, when I realized that I'm the big therapy. brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's, and uh, I know it's, it's like, oh, good, Aaron didn't show up because Aaron didn't show up. We actually got a chance to just talk about our differences. You know, we actually had a chance to just we'll finally work sort our things. shit in more civil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Are we changing the end of the play with some communication right now? Amazing. Wow. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah, right? I mean, it's like you and I have discussed before, Kel, if, if someone had just uh, had some different kind of pie, had just kind of had some sugar, you know, or um, if, if they just had a Care Bear stare or two, you know, all these plays would just turn out differently, you know? I mean, all they, all um, they need is a little bit of genuine love, just like un, unconditional love for the Andronache and everything would have turned out okay. So would this right. then go from like Titus to like waitress basically? Because <laughs> in that, and I think things turn out slightly better in that musical. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody here, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, okay. Um, I have not heard from Andre. So he's just, I think his internet's crapped out from, I'm going to blame it on the storm because this didn't happen in Lear. So, uh, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> normally, I would just keep going, but it's Andre. <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I mean, who's really? Let's see how many people are watching on YouTube because we can just pause. There's three people. Oh, Brooke's watching on YouTube. That's fun. Hi, Brooke. Um, hey, Brooke. Three people watching, there one of go. whom is Brooke. So, I think we can probably wait. Um, yeah. They'd always like this. So, so keep in mind while chit-chatting that we are streaming live on YouTube, but I think we're just going to pause for a couple minutes and uh, hopefully we can get Andre back. And if not, well, uh, somebody's getting a promotion, I guess. You want me to make some calls? No, not even a little bit. Thank you very much. I'm seeing like a moment here because, um, Cheek by Jowl, they uh, shared their winter's tale on, on YouTube, and um, the uh, argument between Mopsa and Dorcas actually became uh, like a reality TV show, which I think was, was hosted by Autolycus, you know, and um, so I'm thinking that something similar could happen now, like uh, uh, one of the other characters or just some completely invented person could come in, you know, so... So Kyron, Demetrius, why why can't you, you know, why are you going for the same girl? Are there not more Roman girls that you could just, you know, um, love? You know, <laughs> you, you, you boys have so much love to give. Why can't you just, you know, spread it round? You know, <laughs> what is it about this Lavinia? Please discuss. <laughs> you and, um, beautiful, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting, I was waiting. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> F and excuse you. <laughs> uh, no, and exactly. We would just we would we would just fall to it. We would say that exact that exact thing, Beth, you know. We just like like Hello, have you seen her? You know? <laughs> What's wrong with you, man? 
Um. <laughs> Sorry, talk, talk about ourselves. I'm just talking to Andre. Um, he says just in the internet will. Um, do you oh, guys, yeah, the rest of you can turn on your, can, can turn on cameras so that you aren't alone. alone. I'd prefer not to turn on my camera so people don't have to see the fact that I'm just eating a bunch of sliced turkey out of the bag. Like I'm, I'm about five bucks into nine bucks worth of sliced turkey. So. Oh, we better, at least we'd root you on for the rest of the way. Sorry, Tori. <laughs> I am, uh, all the way through the pie slice that I brought. To enjoy during this play. Hi, how appropriate. It's like you run yeah. out of popcorn. No, I, I felt that pie would be more appropriate today, Nick. I had oh, no, no, I'm saying it's, it's like when you run out of popcorn, whatever your, your um, treat of choice is. It's, Fair. It's totally. Pie more, more, more appropriate, for sure. Fair. Uh, since I'm here, I just want to say. We're a, a party. I love it. Where's Benny? Just want to say sorry for a. Killing your son and brother, I hope you don't have any problems with that. Yeah, 100. Um, we're cool, cool. We're cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. 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 You know, he can, he, can be, he can be a dick sometimes, so I guess, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's a give and take, as with anything. Just checking. Listen, Alarvis was the oldest, but he was also kind of a jerk, so like, eh, he's dead, it's fine. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, now yeah you that's, 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 why, that's why we had no line, you know, we had no lines in protest, you know, and, until talking about like Scythia and, and stuff and, and uh, you know, my, my big bro here trying to shut me up. You know, it's just, yeah, because he was just trying to get me to focus. No, nah, man, it's, Alarbus has gone to rest. That's not the big deal, really. It's because the Adronachy are dicks, you know. That's that's the big issue. Andre Sills is, is back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good good chat. Glad we're cool. Okay. Sorry guys. Sorry. I don't know what happened there. Internet just Bless you, sir, for making it back. Thank you. You've saved us. Were we all riffing in a Shakespearean sort? We were, no, we're nowhere near that professional. I was telling people about how much slices of turkey I was eating out of a bag, and then we're talking about how Alarbus was a dick. We are so happy you're back. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Glad to be back. Hold on, let me just make sure I have nothing. Okay, so um, why don't we why why don't we enter? Um, Aaron, you can let us know when you're when you're ready to go and enter for from Demetrius Hieron's entrances. Okay. You guys all set? Cool. Okay. Enter, we're restarting, everyone. And enter Dimitri and Chiron braving. <clears throat> Chiron, thy years want wit, thy wit wants edge and manners to intrude where I am graced and may, for aught thou knowest, affected be. Demetrius, thou dost overween in all. And so in this, to bear me down with graves, tis not the difference of a year or two that makes me less gracious or thee more fortunate. I'm as able and as fit as thou to serve and to deserve my mistress' grace, and that my sword upon thee shall approve and plead my passion for Lavinia's love. Clubs, clubs, these lovers will not keep the peace. Why, boy. Although our mother, unadvised, 
gave you a dancing oh. rapier by your side. Are you so desperate, grown, to threat your friends? Go to uh -huh. have your lap glued within your sheath till you know better how to handle it. Meanwhile, sir, with the little skill I have, full well shalt thou perceive how much I dare. Hi, <laughs> boy. Grow ye so brave. They draw. Why, how now, lords? So near the emperor's palace dare ye draw and maintain such a quarrel openly? Full well I want the grounds of all this grudge. I would not for a million of gold the cause were known to them it most concerns, nor would the noble mo nor would your noble mother for much more be so dishonored in the court of Rome for shame put up. <laughs> not I till I have sheathed my rapier in his bosom and withal thrust these reproachful speeches down his throat that he hath breathed in my dishonor here. For that I am prepared and full resolved, foul-spoken coward, that thunderest with thy tongue and with thy weapon nothing darest perform. Away, I say. Now by the gods that warlike Goths adore, this petty brabble will undo us all. Why, lords, think you not how dangerous it is to jet upon a prince's right? What, is Lavinia become so loose? Or Bassianus so degenerate that for her love such quarrels may be broached without controlment, justice, or revenge? Young lords, beware. And should the empress know this discord's ground, the music would not please. I care not, I knew she and all the world. I love Lavinia more than all the world. <clears throat> Youngling, learn thou to make some meaner choice. Lavinia is thine elder brother's hope. Why, mm. are ye mad? Or know ye not, in Rome, how furious and impatient they be and cannot brook competitors in love? I tell you, lords, you do but plot your deaths by, by this device. Aaron, thousand deaths would I propose to achieve her whom I love. To achieve her how? <laughs> Why makest thou it so strange? She is a woman. Therefore, may be wooed. She is a woman, therefore, may be won. She is Lavinia, therefore, must be loved. What man? More water glideth by the mill than what's the miller of, and easy it is of a cut loaf to steal a shiv. We know, though Bassinius be the emperor's brother, better than he have, won war, have, have worn Vulcan, Vulcan's badge. Aye. And as good as Saturninus may. Then why should he despair that knows to court it with words, fair looks, and liberality? What? Hast thou not, hast not thou full often struck a doe and borne her cleanly by her, the keeper's nose? Why then it should be certain some, why then it seems some certain snatch or so would serve your turns? Aye, <laughs> so the turn were served. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, thou hast hit it. Would you had hit it too. Then should you not be tied with this adieu. Why, 
Harky, Harky, are ye are you such fools to swear for this? Would it offend you then that both should speed? Faith, not me. <clears throat> Nor me, so I were one. For shame, be friends, and join for that you jar. Tis policy and stratagem must do that you affect. And so must you resolve that what you cannot as you would achieve, you must perforce accomplish as you may. Take this of me. Lucretia was not more chaste than this Lavinia, Bassianus' love. A speedier course than lingering languishment must we pursue, and I have found the path. My lords, a solemn, a solemn hunting is in hand, and there, there, the le- there will the lovely Roman ladies troop. The forest walks are wide and spacious, and many unfrequented plots there are, fitted by kind for rape and villainy. Single you thither, then this dainty doe, and strike her home by force, if not by words, this way or not at all, stand you in hope. Come, come, our empress, with her sacred wit to villainy and vengeance consecrate, will we acquaint withal what we intend. And she shall file our engines with advice that we that will not suffer you to square yourselves, but to your wishes height advance you both. The empress' court is like the house of fame, the palace full of tongues, of eyes and ears. The woods are ruthless, dreadful, deaf, and dull. There speak and strike brave boys and take your turns. There serve your lust, shadowed from heaven's eyes, and revel in Lavinia's treasury. Thy counsel, lad, smells of no cowardice. Sit fast, ot nefas, till I find the stream to cool this heat, a charm to calm these fits. Perstiga, her manis behold. Exiting to a forest near Rome, horns and cry of hounds heard, and enter Tyronicus with hunters and company, Marcus, Lucas, Lucas, Quintus, and Martius. The hunt is up, the morn is bright and gray, the fields are fragrant, and the woods are green. Uncouple here, and let us make a bay, and wake the emperor and his lovely bride, and rouse the prince, and ring a hunter's peal, that all the court may echo with the noise. Sons, let it be your charge, as it is ours, to attend the emperor's person carefully. I have been troubled in my sleep this night, but dawning day new comfort hath inspired. A cry of hounds and horns, winded, winded in appeal. Enter Saturninus, Tamara, Bassianus, Lavinia, Demetrius, kind attendants. Many good morrows to your majesty. Madam, to you as many and as good. I promised your grace a hunter's peal. And you have rung it lustily, my lord. Somewhat too early for uh, newly married ladies. <laughs> Lavinia, how say you? I say no. <laughs> I've been brought awake two hours or more. Uh, well, come on then, horse and chariots. We ladies have 
into our sport. Madam, now shall you see our Roman hunting. I have dogs, my lord. We'll rouse the proudest panther in the chase and climb the highest promontory top. And I have horse will follow where the game makes way and run like swallows or the plain. We hunt not, we with horse nor hound, but hope to pluck a dainty doe to ground. <laughs> Three lonely part of the forest, and Aaron with a bag of gold. He that had wit would think that I had none to bury so much gold under tree and never after to inherit it. Let him that thinks of me so abjectly know that this gold must coin a stratagem which cunningly affected will beget a very excellent piece of villainy. And so repose sweet gold for their unrest. High, high gold. That have their arms out that have their arms out of the empress chest. Enter Tamara. My lovely Aaron. Wherefore looks thou sad? And everything does make a gleeful boast. The birds chant melody on every bush. The snake lies rolled in the cheerful sun. The green leaves quiver with a cooling wind and make a checkered shadow on the ground. Under these sweet shade, Aaron, let us sit. And whilst the babbling echo mocks the hounds replying shrilly to the well-tuned horns, as if a double hunt were heard at once, let us sit down and mark their yelping noise. And after conflict such as was supposed the wandering D Prince and Dido once enjoyed, when with a happy storm they were surprised and curtained with a council-keeping cave, we may each read that in the other's arms our pastimes done possess a golden slumber, whilst hounds and horns and sweet melodious birds be unto us as in a nurse's song of lullaby to bring her babe asleep. Madam, though Venus govern your desires, Saturn is dominator over mine. What signifies my deadly standing eye, my silence and my cloudy melancholy, my fleece of woolly hair that now uncurls even as an adder, when she doth unroll to do some fatal execution? No, madam, these are no venereal signs. Vengeance is in my heart, death in my hand, blood and revenge are hammering in my head. Hark, Tamara, empress of my soul, which never hopes more heaven than rest in thee. This is the day of doom for Bassianus. His Philomel, must lose her tongue today. Thy sons make pillage of her chastity and wash their hands in Bassianus' blood. Seest thou this letter? Take it up, I pray thee, and give the king this fatal plotted scroll. Now question me no more, we are espied. Here comes a parcel of our hopeful booty, which dreads not yet their lives' destruction. Oh, my sweet more, sweeter to me than life. No more, great empress. Bassianus comes. Be cross with him, and I'll go fetch thy sons to back thy quarrel, what, what's where they be. Exit. Enter Bassianus and Lavinia. Oh, who have we here? 
Rome's royal empress, unfurnished of her well beseeming troop? Or is it like Diane, habited like her, who hath abandoned her holy groves to see the general hunting in this forest? Saucy controller of our private steps. Had I the power that some say Diane had? Thy temples would be planted presently with horns, as was Actian's, and the hounds should drive upon thy new transformed limbs, unmanneredly intruder as thou art. Under your patience, gentle empress, just thought you have a goodly gift in horning. <laughs> and to be doubted that you're more in you are singled forth to try experiments. Jove shield you from your house, your husband from his hounds today. Tis pity they should take him for a stead. Oh, believe me, queen, your swart Sumerian doth make your honor of his body's hue, spotted, detested, and abominable. Uh, why are you sequestered from all your train, dismounted from your snow-white goodly steed, <laughs> and wandered hither to an obscure plot, accompanied but with a, a barbarous moor, if foul desire had not conducted you? And, being interrupted in your sport, great reason that my noble lord be rated for sauciness. I pray you, let us hence. Let her joy her raven-colored love. This valley fits the purpose passing well. The king, my brother, shall have note of this. I, for these slips have made him noted long. Good king, to be so mightily abused. Why have I patience to endure all this? And enter Demetri Chiron. Ooh! Oh! How now, dear sovereign, and our gracious mother? Why doth your highness look so pale and wan? Have I not reason, think you, to look pale? These two have ticed me hither to this place. A bare and detested vale, you see it is, the trees, though summer, yet forlorn and lean, or come with moss and baleful mistletoe. Here never shines the sun. Here nothing breeds unless the nightly owl or fatal raven. And when they showed me this abhorred pit, they told me here, at dead time of the night, a thousand fiends, a thousand hissing snakes, ten thousand swelling toads, as many urchins, would make such fearful and confused cries as any mortal body hearing it should straight fall mad, or else die suddenly. No sooner had they told this hellish tale, but straight they told me they would bind me here unto the body of the dismal you, and leave me to this miserable death. And then they called me foul adulteress, lascivious goth, and all the bitterest terms that ever ear did hear to such effect. And had you not by wondrous fortune come, this vengeance on me had they executed. Revenge it, as you love your mother's life, or be ye not henceforth called my children. This is a witness that I am thy son. Dabs Bassianus. This for me! Struck home to show my strength. Also Stephasianus, who dies. Nay, <laughs> come, Samirimus, nay, barbarous Tamara, for no name fits thy nature but thine own. Give me thy pondered. You shall know, my boys, your mother's hand shall right your mother's wrong. Stay, madam. Here is more belongs to her. First thrash the corn, then after burn the straw. This minion stood upon her chastity, upon her nuptial vow, her loyalty. And with that painted hope braves your mightiness. And shall she carry this unto her grave? And if she do, I would I were an eunuch. 
drag hence her husband to some secret hole and make his dead trunk pillow to our lust. But when you have honey you desire, let not this wasp outlive us both to sting. I warrant you, madam, we will make that sure. Come, mistress. Now, perforce, we will enjoy that nice preserved honesty of yours. Tamara, Tamara, thou bearest a woman's face. I will not speak with her. Away with her. Sweet lords, entreat her. Hear me but a word. Listen, fair madam, and let it be your glory to see her tears. But be your heart to them as unrelenting flint to drops of rain. Yeah. When did the tiger's young one teach the dam? Oh, do not learn her wrath. She taught it thee. The milk thou suckst from her did turn to marble. Even at thy teeth thou hadst thy tyranny. Yet every mother breeds not sons alike. Do thou entreat her, show a woman pity. What? Wouldst thou have me prove myself a bastard? <laughs> it's true. Uh, the raven doth not hatch a lark. Yet I have heard, oh, uh, uh, could I find it now, that the lion, moved with, with pity, did endure to have his princely paws pared all away. Some say that ravens foster forlorn children, the whilst their own birds famish in their nests. Oh, be to me, though thy hard heart say no, a thing so kind, but something pitiful. No, not what she means. Away with her. Oh, let me teach thee, for my father's sake that gave thee life when well he might have slain thee. Be not obdurate, open thy deaf ears. Hadst thou in person ne'er offended me, even for his sake, I am pitiless. Remember, boys, I poured forth tears in vain to save your brothers from the sacrifice. But fierce Andronicus would not relent. Therefore, away with her, and use her as you will. The worse to her, the better loved of me. <laughs> I lost my place, Shin. Uh, oh, Tamara, behold a gentle queen, and with thine own hands kill me in this place, for tis not life that I have begged so long, for I was slain when Bassianus died. What begs thou then? Fond woman, let me go. Tis present death, I beg, and one thing more, that womanhood denies my tongue to tell. Oh, keep me from their worse than killing lust, and, and tumble me into some loathsome pit where ne'er man's eyes may behold my body. Do this. Be a charitable murderer. Though should I rob my sweet sons of their fee? No. Let them satisfy their lust on thee. Away. For thou hast stayed us here too long. No grace. No womanhood. Ah, beastly creature, the blot and enemy to our general name. Confusion fall. Nay, then I'll stop your mouth. Bring thou her husband. Mm. This is the hole where Aaron bid us hide him. Demetrius throws the body of Bassianus into the pit, then exerts it to Demetrius Chiron, dragging off Inia. Go <laughs> on, my sons. See that you make her sure. Now let my heart no merit cheer indeed did all the Andronici be made away. Now will I hence to seek my lovely moor, and let my spleenful sons this trull deflower. Is it re-Aaron with Quintus and Martius? Come on, my lords. 
the better foot before. Straight will I bring you to the loathsome pit where I espied the panther fast asleep. My sight is very dull. What are it bodes? And mine, I promise you, were it not for shame, well could I leave our sport to sleep a while. Falls into the pit. What? Art thou fallen in? What subtle hole is this whose mouth is covered with rude growing briars, upon whose leaves are drops of new-shed blood as fresh as morning dew distilled on flowers? A very fatal plate, it seems to me. Uh, speak, brother, hast thou hurt thee with the fall? Oh, brother, with the dismalest object hurt that ever I with sight made hard lament. Now will I fetch the king to find them here, that he thereby may have a likely guess how these were they that made away his brother. Exit. Why dost not comfort me and help me out from this unhallowed and blood-stained hole? I am surprised with an uncouth fear. A chilling sweat overruns my trembling joints. My heart suspects more than my eyes can see. To prove thou hast a true divining heart, Aaron and thou look down into this den and see a fearful sight of blood and death. Aaron is gone, and my compassionate heart will not permit mine eyes once to behold the thing whereat it trembles by surmise. Oh, tell me how it is, for ne'er till now was I a child to fear I know not what. Lord Bassianus lies imbrued here, all on a heap, like a, to a slaughtered lamb in this detested, dark, blood-drinking pit. If it be dark, how dost thou know tis he? Upon his bloody finger he doth wear a precious ring that lightens all the whole which, like a taper in some monument, doth shine upon the dead man's earthy cheeks and shows the ragged entrails of the pit. So pale did shine the moon on Pyramus when he by night lay bathed in maiden blood. Oh, brother, help me with thy fainting hand. If fear hath made thee faint as me, it hath out of this fail devouring receptacle, as hateful as Cocytus's misty mouth. Reach me thy hand, that I may help thee out, or wanting strength to do thee so much good, I may be plucked into the swallowing loom of this deep pit. Poor Bassianus's grave. I have no strength to pluck thee to the brink. Nor I no strength to climb without thy help. Thy hand once more, I will not loose again, till thou art here aloft, or I below. Thou canst not come to me, I come to thee. Falls in, enters Saturninus with Aaron. Along with me, thou see what hole is here and what he is that now is leaped into it. Ah, <clears throat> uh, say, ah, uh, who art thou that lately didst descend into this gaping uh, hollow of the earth? The unhappy son of old Andronicus brought hither in a most unlucky hour to find thy brother Bassianus dead. My brother dead. <laughs> I know thou dost but jest. <laughs> he and his lady both are at the lodge upon the north side of this pleasant chase. Tis not an hour since I left him here. <laughs> we know not where you left him all alive, but out, alas, 
Here have we found him dead. We entered Moreau with attendants, Titus Andronicus, as endless. Where is my lord the king? Here, Tabera. Though grieved with killing grief. Where is thy brother Bassianus? Now to the bottom dost thou search my wound. Poor Bessianus here lies murdered. Then all too late I bring this fatal writ. The complot of this timeless tragedy and wonder greatly that man's face can fold in pleasing smiles such murderous tyranny. She giveth Saturninus at her. And if we miss to meet him handsomely, sweet Hunston Bessianus tis we mean, do thou so much as dig the grave for him, thou know'st our meaning. Look for thy reward among the nettles at the elder tree, which overshades the mouth of that same pit where we decreed to bury Bassianus. Do this and purchase us thy lasting friends. Oh, Tamara, who has ever heard the like? This is the pit, and this is the elder tree. Look, sirs, if you can, find the huntsman out that should have murdered Bassianus here. My gracious lord. Here is the bag of gold. Two of thy whelps, fell crows of bloody kind, have here bereft my brother of his life. Sirs, drag them from the pit under the prison. There, let them bide until we have devised some never heard of torturing pain for them. What, are they in the pit? Oh, wondrous thing. How easily murder is discovered. I, Emperor, upon my feeble knee I beg this boon, with tears not lightly shed, that this fell fault of my accursed sons, accursed if the fault be proved in them. If it be proved! You see it is apparent. Who found this letter? Tamara, was it you? Andronicus himself did take it up. I did, my lord. Yet let me be their bail. For by my father's reverend whom I vow they shall be ready at your highness' will to answer their suspicion with their lives. Thou shalt not fail them. See, thou follow me. Some bring the murdered body, some the murderers. Let them not speak a word. The guilt is plain. For by my soul, were there a worse end than death, that end upon them should be executed. Andronicus, I will entreat the king. Fear not thy sons, they will do well enough. Come, Lucius, come. Stay not to talk with him. Exentment. Scene four, another part of the forest. Enter Demetrius and Chiron with Lavinia, ravish it. Her hands cut off and her tongue cut, cut out. <laughs> so, now go tell. And if thy tongue can speak, who told that cut thy tongue and ravish thee? Write down thy mind, bewray thy meaning so, and if thy stumps will help thee play the scry. <laughs> See how with signs and tokens she can scrawl. Go home, call for sweet water, wash thy hair. <laughs> She hath no tongue to call, nor hands to wash, and so let's leave her here to her silent walks. <laughs> and for my case, I should hang myself 
<laughs> it's now my time to help me knit the cord. <laughs> Demetrius and Chiron enter Marcus. Who is this? My niece that flies away so fast? Cousin, a word. Where is your husband? If I do dream, would all my wealth would wake me? If I do wake, some planet strike me down that I may slumber in eternal sleep. Speak, gentle niece, what stern ungentle hands have lopped and hewed and made thy body bare of her two branches. Those sweet ornaments whose circling shadows kings have sought to sleep in and might not gain so great a happiness as have thy love? Why dost, why dost not speak to me? Alas, alas, a crimson river of warm blood, like to a bubbling fountain stirred with wind, doth rise and fall between thy rosed lips, coming and going with thy honey breath. Sure, some Tyrius hath deflowered thee, and lest thou shouldst detect him, cut thy tongue. Wow. Now thou turnst away thy face for shame, and, 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 and notwithstanding all this loss of blood, as from a conduit with three issuing spouts, do thy cheeks look as red as Titan's face, blushing to be encountered with the cloud. Shall I speak for thee? Shall I say tis so? Oh, that I knew thy heart and knew the beast that I might rail at him to ease my mind. Sorrow concealed, like an oven stopped, doth burn the heart to cinders where it is. Fair, Philomela, she but lost her tongue and in a tedious sampler sowed her mind. But lovely niece, that mean is cut from thee, a craftier, tyrious cousin hast thou met. And he hath cut those pretty fingers off that could have better sowed than Philomel. Ah, oh, had the monster seen those lily hands tremble like aspen leaves upon a lute and make the silken strings delight to kiss them he would not then have touched them for his life. Or had he heard the heavenly harmony which that sweet tongue hath made, he would have dropped his knife and fell asleep as Cerberus at the Thracian's poet's feet. Come, come, let us go and make thy father blind. For such a sight will blind a father's eye. One hour's storm will drown the fragrant meads. What will hoe months of tears thy father's eyes? Do not draw back, for we will mourn with thee. Oh, could our mourning ease thy misery? Present. Act three, three, scene one. Rome, a street, entered, entered just senators and tribunes with Marcus and Quintus bound, passing on to the place of execution. Titus going before, pleading, pleading. Hear me, grave fathers, noble tribunes, stay. For pity of mine age, 
whose youth was spent in dangerous wars whilst you securely slept. For all my blood in Rome's great quarrel shed, for all the frosty nights that I have watched, and for these bitter tears which now you see filling the aged wrinkles in my cheeks, be pitiful to my condemned sons, whose souls are not corrupted as tis thought. For two and twenty sons I never wept, because they died in honor's lofty bed. For these, down, down, judges and company pass, pass by him. For these, these tribunes in the dust, I write my heart's deep languor and my soul's sad tears. Let my tears stanch the earth's dry appetite. My son's sweet blood will make it shame and blush. Oh, earth, I will befriend thee more with rain that shall distill from these two ancient urns than youthful April shall from all his showers. In summer's drought, I'll drop upon thee still. In winter, with warm tears, I'll melt the snow and keep eternal springtime on thy face so thou refuse to drink my dear son's blood. Enter Lucius with sword drawn. O reverend tribunes, O gentle aged men, unbind my sons, reverse the doom of death, and let me say that never wept before, my tears are now prevailing orators. O noble father, you lament in vain. The tribunes hear you not. No man is by, and you recount your sorrows to a stone. Ah, Lucius, for my brothers, let me plead. Grave tribunes once more, I entreat of you. My gracious lord, no tribunes hears you speak. Why, tis no matter, man, if they did hear, they would not mark me. Or if they did mark, they would not pity me. Yet plead I must. Therefore I tell my sorrows to the stones, who though they cannot answer my distress, yet in some sort they are better than the tribunes, for that they will not intercept my tale. When I do weep, they humbly at my feet receive my tears and seem to weep with me. And were they but attired in grave weeds, Rome could afford no tribunes like to these. A stone is soft as wax, tribunes more hard than stones. A stone is silent and offendeth not, and tribunes with their tongues doom men to death. But wherefore stands thou with thy weapon drawn? To rescue my two brothers from their death, for which attempt the judges have pronounced my everlasting doom of banishment. Oh, happy man, they have befriended thee. Why, foolish Lucius, Dost thou not perceive that Rome is but a wilderness of tigers? Tigers must pray, and Rome affords no prey but me and mine. How happy art thou then from these devourers to be banished? But who comes with our brother Marcus here? Brother Marcus and Lavinia. Titus, prepare thy aged eyes to weep. Or if not so, thy noble heart to break, I bring consuming sorrow to thine age. Will it consume me? Let me see it then. This was thy daughter. Why, Marcus, so she is. 
I mean, this object kills me. Faint-hearted boy, arise and look upon her. Speak, Lavinia. What accursed hand hath made these handless in thy father's sight? What fool hath added water to the sea, or brought a faggot of bright burning Troy? My grief was at the height before thou camest, and now, like Nihilus, it disdaineth bounds. Give me a sword, I'll chop off my hands too. For they have fought for Rome, and all in vain, and they have nursed this woe and feeding life. In bootless prayers have they been held up, and they have served me to effectless use. Now all the service I require of them is that the one will help to cut the other. Tis well, Lavinia, that thou hast no hands, for hands to do Rome's service are but vain. Speak, gentle sister. Who hath martyred thee? Oh, that delightful engine of her thoughts that blab them with such pleasing eloquence is torn from forth that pretty hollow cage where, like a sweet melodious bird, it sung sweet varied notes enchanting every ear. Oh, say thou for her who hath done this deed. Oh, thus I found her, straying in the park, seeking to hide herself as doth the deer that hath received some unrecurring wound. It was my dear, and he that wounded her hath hurt me more than he hath killed me dead. For now I stand upon as one upon a rock, environed with a wildness of sea, a wilderness of sea, who marks the waxing tide grow wave by wave, expecting ever when some envious surge will in this brinish bowel swallow him. This way to death my wretched sons are gone. Here stands my other son, a banished man, and here my brother weeping at my woes. But that which gives my soul the greatest spurn is dear Lavinia, dearer than my soul. Had I but seen thy picture in this plight, it would have madded me. What shall I do now I behold thy lively body so? Thou hast no hands to wipe away the tears, nor tongue to tell me who hath martyred thee. Thy husband, he is dead, and for his death thy brothers are condemned and dead by this. Look, Marcus, ah, son, Lucius, look on her. When I did name her brothers, then fresh tears stood on her cheeks, as doth the honeydew upon a gathered lily almost withered. Perchance she weeps because they killed her husband, perchance because she knows them innocent. If they did kill thy husband, then be joyful, because the law hath ta'en revenge on them. No, no, they would not do so foul a deed. Witness the sorrow that their sister makes. Gentle Lavinia, let me kiss thy lips or make some sign how I may do thee ease. Shall thy good uncle and thy brother Lucius and thou and I sit round about some fountain looking all downwards to behold our cheeks how they are stained as meadows yet not dry with miry slime left on them by a flood. 
and in the fountain shall we gaze so long till the fresh taste be taken from that clearness and made a brine pit with our bitter tears? Or shall we cut away our hands like thine? Or shall we bite our tongues and in dumb shows pass the remainder of our hateful days? What shall we do? Let us that have our tongues plot some deuce of further misery to make us wonder that in time to come. Sweet father, cease your tears, for at your grief see how my wretched sister sobs and weeps. Patience, dear niece. Good Titus, dry thine eyes. Ah, Marcus, Marcus, brother, well I wot thy napkins cannot drink a tear of mine, for thou, poor man, hast drowned it with thine own. My Lavinia, I, I will wipe thy cheeks. Mark, Marcus, Mark, I understand her signs. Had she a tongue to speak now, she would say that to her brother which I said to thee. His napkin, with his true tears all bewet, can do no service on her sorrowful cheeks. Oh, what a sympathy of woe is this, as far from help as limbo is from bliss. Enter in. Titus Andronicus, my lord the empress sends thee this word, that if thou love thy sons, let Marcus, Lucius, or thyself, O Titus, or any one of you, chop off your hand and send it to the king. He for the same will send thee hither, both thy sons alive. And that shall be the ransom for their fault. Oh, gracious emperor. Oh, gentle Aaron. Did ever raven sing so like a lark that gives sweet tidings of the sun's uprise? With all my heart, I'll send the emperor my hand. Good Aaron, wilt thou help to chop it off? Stay, father. For that noble hand of thine that hath thrown down so many enemies shall not be sent. My hand will serve the turn. My youth can better spare my blood than you, and therefore mine shall save my brother's lives. Which, which of your hands hath not defended Rome, and reared aloft the bloody battle-axe, writing destruction on the enemy's castle? Oh, none of both but are, but are of highest desert. My hand hath been but idle. Let it serve to ransom my two nephews from their death, then have I kept it to a worthy end. Nay, come, agree whose hand shall go along, for fear they die before their pardon come. My hand shall go. By heaven, it shall not go. Sirs, strive no more. Such withered herbs as these are meat for plucking up, and therefore mine. Sweet father, if I shall be thought thy son, let me redeem my brothers both from death. And for our father's sake and mother's care, now let me show a brother's love to thee. Agree between you. I will spare my hand. Then I'll go fetch an axe. But I will use the axe. <laughs> Lucius and Marcus. Come hither, Aaron. I'll deceive them both. Lend me thy hand, and I will give thee mine. If that be called deceit, I will be honest, and never whilst I live deceive men so. But I'll deceive you in another sort. And that you'll say ere half hour past. Stops his hand. Re-enter Lucius and Mar Marcus. Now stay your strife. What shall he be dispatched 
Good Aaron, give his majesty my hand. Tell him it was a hand that warded him from thousand dangers, bid him bury it. More hath it merited, that let it have. As for my sons, say I account of them as jewels purchased at an easy price, and yet dear, too, because I bought mine own. I go, Andronicus, and for thy hand, look by and by to have thy sons with thee. Their heads, I mean. Oh, how this villainy doth fat me with the very thought of it. Let fools do good, and fair men call for grace. Aaron will have his soul black like his face. Exit. Oh, here I lift this one hand up to heaven and bow this feeble ruin to the earth. If any power pities wretched tears to that I call. What, wilt thou kneel with me? Do then, dear heart, for heaven shall hear our prayers. Or with our sighs we'll breathe the welkin dim and stain the sun with fog, as sometimes clouds, what they do, hug him in their melting bosoms. Oh, brother, speak with possibilities, and do not break into these deep extremes. Is not my sorrow deep, having no bottom? Then be my passions bottomless with them. But yet let reason govern thy lament. If there were reasons for these miseries, then into limits could I bind my woes. When heaven doth weep, doth not the earth o'erflow? If the winds rage, doth not the sea wax mad, threatening the welkin with his big swollen face? And wilt thou have a reason for this coil? I am the sea. Hark, how her sighs do blow. She is the weeping welkin, I the earth. Then must my sea be moved with her sighs. Then must my earth with her continual tears become a deluge overflowed and drowned. For why my bowels cannot hide her woes, but like a drunkard must I vomit them. Then give me leave, for losers will have leave to ease their stomachs with their bitter tongues. And further with two heads at a hand. Worthy Andronicus, ill art thou repaid for that good hand thou sent the emperor. Here are the heads of thy two noble sons, and here's thy hand, in scorn to thee sent back. Thy griefs, their sports, thy resolution mocked, that woe is me to think upon thy woes more than remembrance of my father's death. Exit. Now let hot Etna cool in Sicily, and be my heart an ever-burning hell. These miseries are more than may be borne. To weep with them that weep doth ease some deal, but sorrow flouted as is double death. Ah, oh, that this sight should make so deep a wound, and yet detested life not shrink thereat, that ever death should let life bear his name where life hath no more interest but to breathe. Living kisses Titus. Alas, poor heart, that kiss is comfortless as frozen water to a starved snake. When will this fearful slumber have an end? Now, farewell flattery. 
die, Andronicus. Thou dost not slumber. See, thy two sons' heads, thy warlike hand, thy mangled daughter here. Thy other banished son with this dear sight struck pale and bloodless. And thy brother, I, even like a stony image, cold and numb. Ah, now no more will I control thy griefs. Rend off thy silver hair, thy other hand gnawing with thy teeth, and be this dismal sight the closing up of our most wretched eyes. Now is a time to storm. Why art thou still? <laughs> Why dost thou laugh? It, it fits not with this hour. Why, I have not another tear to shed. Besides, this sorrow is an enemy, and would usurp upon my watering eyes and make them blind with tributary tears. Then which way shall I find revenge's cave? For these two heads do seem to speak to me and threaten me. I shall never come to bliss till all these mischiefs be returned again, even in their throats that have committed them. Come, let me see what task I have to do. You heavy people circle me about, that I may turn to each one of you and swear unto my soul to right your wrongs. The vow is made. Come, brother, take a head, and in this hand the other I will bear. Lavinia, thou shalt be employed. These arms. Bear thou my hand, sweet wench, between thy teeth. As for thee, boy, go, get thee from my sight. Thou art an exile, and thou must not stay. High to the Goths, and raise an army there. And if you love me as I think you do, let's kiss and part, for we have much to do. Exendent Titus, Martin, Lavinia. Farewell, Andronicus, my noble father, the woefulest man that ever lived in Rome. Farewell, proud Rome, till Lucius come again. He leaves his pledges dearer than his life. Farewell, Lavinia, my noble sister. How would thou wert as thou too for hast been? But now nor Lucius nor Lavinia lives, but in oblivion and hateful griefs. If Lucius live, he will requite your wrongs and make proud Saturnine and his empress beg at the gates like Tarquin and his queen. Now will I to the Goths and raise a power to be revenged on Rome and Saturnine. Exit. Scene two, room in Titus's house, a banquet set out, out. And Titus, Marcus, Lavinia, and young Lucius, a boy. So, so, now sit. And look, you eat no more than will preserve just so much strength in us as will revenge these bitter woes of ours. Marcus, unknit that sorrow wreathen not. Thy niece and I, poor creatures, want our hands and cannot passionate our tenfold grief with folded arms. 
This poor right hand of mine is left to tyrannize upon my breast, who when my heart all mad with misery beats in this hollow prison of my flesh, then thus I thump it down. Thou map of woe, that thus dost talk in sighs, when thy poor heart beats with outrageous beating, thou canst not strike it thus to make it still. Wound it with sighing, girl, kill it with groans, or get some little knife between thy teeth, and just against thy heart make thou a hole, that all the tears that thy poor eyes let fall may run into that sink, and soaking in, drown the lamenting fool in sea-salt tears. Fie, brother, fie! Teach her not thus to lay such violent hands upon her tender life. How now? Has sorrow made thee dote already? Why, Marcus, no man should be mad but I. What violent hands can she lie on her life? Ah, wherefore dost thou urge the name of hands? To bid Etna tell the twice tale twice the tale twice, or how Troy was burnt, and he made miserable. Oh, handle not the theme to talk of hands, lest we remember still we have none. Fie, fie, how frantically I square my talk, as if we should forget we had no hands. If Marcus did not name the word of hands. <laughs> Come, let's fall to. And, gentle girl, eat this. Here is no drink. Hark, Marcus, what she says. I can interpret all her martyred signs. She says she drinks no other drink but tears brewed with her sorrow, meshed upon her cheeks. Speechless complainer, I will learn thy thought. In thy dumb action will I be as perfect as begging hermits in their holy prayers. Thou shalt not sigh, nor hold thy stumps to heaven, nor wink, nor nod, nor kneel, nor make a sign, but I will these rest an alphabet and by still practice learn to know thy meaning. Grandsire, leave these bitter deep laments. Make my aunt merry with some pleasing tale. Alas, the tender boy in passion moved doth weep to see his grandsire's heaviness. Peace. Marcus, Marcus strikes into the dish with a knife. At that have I killed, my lord, a fly. Pause first so we get Chris back. Oh my, but, but. internet does not let like Titus and like us. Yeah, cursed play. Chris, what happened? This, and this is this is never. I don't think we've ever, ever lost Chris before. <laughs> um. Okay, talk to yourselves. Beth, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> 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 that was so much fun. <laughs> oh. I am so sticky. With- <laughs> Syrup. <laughs> you, hey, behind the scenes, reveal it all. What are you using for blood? Uh, that is chocolate syrup and red food coloring. Classic. Yeah, classic. Um, <laughs> um, is that Bastianus' ghost saying in the chat? Chat about the ghost Bastianus. 
<laughs> Just an arm floating in the screen. <laughs> Rewrapping a stump. Uh, nice. I like that. That actually makes it a lot better. The, the idea of like behind the scenes, Bastianus is, is there wrapping the stumps. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a nice. <laughs> it's a nice way of thinking. Thinking about it. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> couple couple girls wrap, wrapping the stumps. <laughs> Hashtag couple goals. That's <laughs> <laughs> Miriam Pace. <laughs> Is this? I I didn't know how the tone of this would go, and so one of my other plans was I had my like water bottle that I always have, and I was like, what if I just like cut out tears and like tape it on the side? Of, like I drink no other drink but tears. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a different play. Um. Or a different, different, a different version of Titus. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those plays that you, you, you can't play it as a dark comedy, but it requires like the conscientious directing. And in a, in a cold read, I think you have to play it as a tragedy. Otherwise, it's kind of, it's kind of tricky and like maybe a little bit, mm, you know, you know, I don't know, problematic. Yeah, although a, a glass, a glass of tears is kind of a hilarious <laughs> image, but very devastating. What are you eating? Biscuit. What has? I have been cooking dinner in the background. Bastianus <laughs> for the win. They're <laughs> eating. It's going to be harder to eat with dumps. It's true. Oh no. Does anyone, anyone see Chris? Chris back back. I don't have um all my non video go people turned on because. No, he's he's absent. Eleven. Okay. We do need him for the play. Yeah, of course it was Aaron and Titus who their internet cut out. No offense to, to messenger number two. Come on. It's always like this though. Like there are like, no small parts. Like Tori's Tori's computer was never as as bad as when she's playing Kate in the same as the shrew. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really. Good. Computer knows you made it Talbot, though. Yeah, it was fine for but yeah, but that's it was Henry the Henry the Seven, so the stakes were, were low. Oh, yes. <laughs> it cut out. It. Okay, Chris, you to go. This. He's muted. You're muted. How far, how far did I get before it dropped out? Um, we'll go back to, we were on the fly. Just about the fly? Well, that makes yeah, sense. So yeah, so why don't you, why don't you take it from, from this tender sapling? All righty. Okay. Everyone ready? <laughs> Peace, tender sapling, thou art made of tears, and tears will quickly melt thy life away. What dost thou strike at, Marcus, with thy knife? At that that I have killed, my lord, a fly. Out on thee, murderer. Thou killst my heart. Mine eyes are cloyed with view of tyranny. A deed of death done on the innocent becomes not Titus' brother. Get thee gone. I see thou art not for my company. Alas, my lord, I have but killed a fly. 
But how if that fly had a father and mother? How would he hang his slender gilded wings and buzz lamenting doings in the air? Poor harmless fly that with his pretty buzzing melody came here to make us merry, and thou hast killed him. Pardon me, sir. It was a black, ill-favored fly, like to the empress's moor, therefore I killed him. Oh. Oh. Oh, then pardon me for reprehending thee. For thou hast done a charitable deed. Give me thy knife. I will insult on him, flattering myself, as if it were the more come hither purposely to poison me. There's for thyself, and that's for Tamra. Ah, Sirrah, yes, I think we are not brought so low, but that between us we can kill a fly that comes in the likeness of a coal-black moor. Alas, poor man. Grief has so wrought on him, he takes false shadows for true substances. Come, take away. Lavinia, go with me. I'll to thy closet and go read with thee sad stories chanced in the times of old. Come, boy, and go with me. Thy sight is young, and thou shalt read when mine begin to dazzle. Exit. Act four, scene one, Rome, Titus's garden. And enter young Lucian Lavinia running after him, and the boy's face fly with books under his arm, and enter Titus Titus Marcus. Help! Grandsire, help! My Aunt Lavinia follows me everywhere. I know not why. Good Uncle Marcus, see how swift she comes. Alas, sweet aunt, I know not what you mean. Stand by me, Lucius. Do not fear thine aunt. She loves thee, boy, too well to do thee harm. Ay, when my father was in Rome, she did. What means my niece Lavinia by these signs? Oh, fear her not, Lucius. Somewhat doth she mean. See, Lucius, see how she makes of thee. Some with her she would have thee go with her. Ah, boy, Cornelia never with more care read to her sons than she doth read to thee sweet poetry and Tully's orator. Canst thou not guess wherefore she plies thee thus? My lord, I know not, I, nor can I guess, unless some fit or frenzy do possess her. For I have heard my grandsire say full oft, extremity of griefs would make men mad, and I have read that Hecuba of Troy ran mad through sorrow. That made me to fear, although, my lord, I know my noble aunt loves me as dear as e'er my mother did, and would not but in fury fright my youth, which made me down to throw my books and fly, causeless perhaps. But pardon me, sweet aunt, and, madam, if my uncle Marcus go, I will most willingly attend your ladyship. Lucius, I will. Lavinia, Lavinia ends over with her stumps, which Lucius Lucia let fall. How now, Lavinia? Marcus, what means this? Some book there is that she desires to see. Which is it, girl of these? Open them, boy. But thou art deeper read and better skilled. Come. And take choice of all my library, and so beguile thy sorrow till the heavens reveal the damned contriver of this deed. Why lifts she up her arms in sequence thus? 
I think she means that there was more than one confederate in the fact. Aye, more there was, or else to heaven she heaves them for revenge. Lucius, what book is that she tosseth so? Uh, Grand Sarge's Ovid's Metamorphoses. My mother gave it me. For love of her that's gone, perhaps she called it from among the rest. Soft. See how busily she turns the leaves. Helping. What would she find? Lavinia, shall I read? This is the tragic tale of Philomel and treats of Tiresias' treason and his rape. And rape, I fear, was root of thine annoy. See, brother, see, note how she quotes the leaves. Lavinia, wert thou thus surprised, sweet girl? Ravished and wronged as Philomela was, forced in the ruthless, vast and gloomy woods? See, see, aye, such a place there is where we did hunt. Oh, had we never, never hunted there, patterned by that the poet here describes, by nature made for murders and rapes. Oh, why should nature build so foul a den unless the gods delight in tragedies? Give signs, sweet girl, for here are none but friends. What Roman lord it was durst do the deed? Or slunk not Saturnine, as Tarquin erst, that left the camp to sin in Lucrece's bed? Uh, sit down, sweet niece. Brother, sit down by me. Apollo, Pallas, Jove, or Mercury, inspire me that I may this treason find. My lord, look here. Look here, Lavinia, this sandy plot is plain. Guide if thou canst this after me when I have writ my name without the help of any hand at all. He writes his name with his staff half and guides feet and mouth. Cursed be that heart that forced us to the shift. Write thou, good niece, and here, Display at last what God will have discovered for revenge. Heaven guide thy pen to print thy sorrows plain, that we may know the traitors and the truth. She takes the staff in her mouth out and guides it with stumps and writes. Oh, do you read, my lord, what she hath writ? Stuprum. Chiron Demetrius. What? What? The lustful sons of Tamra, performers of this heinous bloody deed? Magni dominator poli, tam lentus audis scleri, tam lentus vides. Oh, calm thee, gentle lord. Although I know there is enough written upon this earth to stir a mutiny in the mildest thoughts and arm the minds of infants to exclaims. My lord, kneel down with me. Lavinia, kneel. And kneel, sweet boy, the Roman Hector's hope, and swear with me, as with the woeful fair and father of that chaste dishonored dame, or Junius Brutus swear for Lucretia's rape, that we will prosecute by good advice mortal revenge upon these traitorous Goths, and see their blood, or die with this reproach. Tis sure enough, and you knew how. 
But if you hunt these bear whelps, then beware. The dam will wake, and if she wind you once, she's with the lion deeply still in league and lulls him whilst she playeth on her back. And when she sleeps, will she do what she list? You are a young huntsman, Marcus. Let alone, and come. I will go get a leaf of brass, and with a gad of steel will write these words and lay it by. The angry northern wind will blow these sands like Sibyl's leaves abroad. And where's your lesson, then? Boy, what say you? I say, my lord, that if I were a man, their mother's bedchamber should not be safe for these bad bondmen to the yoke of Rome. Aye, that's my boy. Thy father hath full oft for his ungrateful country done the like. And uncle, so will I, and if I live. Come, go with me into mine armory. Lucius, I'll fit thee, and with all my boys shall carry me to the empress' son's presence that I intend to send them both. Come, come, thou do the message, wilt thou not? Aye, with my dagger in their bosoms, grandsire. No, boy, not so. I'll teach thee another course. Lavinia, come. Marcus, look to my house. Lucius, and I'll go brave it at the court. I marry, will we, sir, and we'll be waited on. Titus, Nian, young Lucius. Oh, heavens, can you hear a good man groan and not relent or not compassion him? Marcus, attend him in his ecstasy that hath more scars of sorrow in his heart than foeman's marks upon his battered shield. But yet so just that he will not revenge. Revenge, ye heavens, for old Andronicus! Team two, the same a room in the palace. Enter from one side, and Aaron, Demetrius, and Chiron. From the other, young Lucius, and his attendant with a bundle of weapons, verses, rich Demetrius, here's the son of Lucius. He hath some message to deliver us. Aye, some mad message from his mad grandfather. <laughs> My lords. With all the humbleness I may, I greet your honors from Andronicus. Pray the Roman gods confound you both. Grammar's the lovely Lucius. What's the news? That you are both deciphered. That's the news for villains marked with rape. May it please you. My grandsire, well advised, hath sent by me the goodliest weapons of his armory to gratify your honorable youth. The hope of Rome, for so he bade me say, and so I do, and with his gifts present your lordships that whenever you have need, you may be armed and appointed well, and so I leave you both like bloody villains. Exit young Lucius and attendants. Hmm. What's here? A scroll. And written roundabout. Let's see. <clears throat> Integer vitae scalarisque purus, non neget mori joculus nec arcu. Oh, tis a verse in Horace. Oh. I know it well. I read it in the grammar long ago. Aye, just a verse in Horace. Right, you have it. Ah. Now, 
Now what a thing it is to be an ass. Here is no jest, here is no sound jest. The old man hath found their guilt, and sends them weapons wrapped about with lines that wound beyond their feeling to the quick. But were our witty empress well afoot, she would applaud Andronicus' conceit. But let her rest in her unrest, un, unrest awhile. And now, young lords, was not a happy star led us to Rome, strangers, and more than so, captives, to be advanced to this height? It did me good before the palace gate to brave the tribune, to brave the tribune in his brother's hearing. Mm, but me more good to see so great a lord basely, basely insinuate and send us gifts. He hath not reason, Lord Demetrius. Had he not reason, Lord Demetrius? Did you not use his daughter very friendly? I would we had a thousand Roman dames at such a bay by turn to serve our lust. <laughs> a charitable wish and full of love. <laughs> Here lacks but your mother for to say amen. And that would she for twenty thousand more. <laughs> Come. Let us go, and pray to all the gods for our beloved mother in her pains. Pray to the devils. The gods have given us over. Why do the emperor's trumpets flourish thus? <clears throat> Belike for, for joy, the emperor hath a son. Mm, soft, who comes here? Enter, enter in with the black amour child in her arms. Good morrow, lords. Oh, tell me, did you see Aaron the Moor? Well, more or less, or ne'er wit at all, here Aaron is. And what with Aaron now? Oh, gentle Aaron, we are all undone. Now help, or woe betide thee evermore. Why, what a catawalling dost thou keep? What dost thou wrap and fumble in thy arms? Oh, that which I would hide from heaven's eyes, our empress's shame and stately Rome's disgrace. She is delivered, lords. She is delivered. To whom? I mean, she is brought a bed. Well, God give her good rest. What hath he sent her? A devil. Why, then she's a devil's dam, a joyful issue. A joyless, dismal, black, and sorrowful issue. Here is the babe, as loathsome as a toad, amongst the fairest breeders of our clime. The emperor sends it to thee, thy stamp, thy seal, and bids thee christen it, with thy dagger's point. Zoons, ye whore! Is black so base a hue? Sweet blouse, you are a beauteous blossom, sure. Villain, what hast thou done? That which thou canst not undo. Thou hast undone our mother. Villain, I have done thy mother. Ah! Oh. <laughs> a therein hellish dog hast thou, thou hast undone. Woe to her chance, and damned her loathed choice. Accursed the offspring of so foul a fiend. It shall not live. It shall not die. Aaron, it must. The mother wills it so. What? Must it, nurse? Let no man but I do, do execution on my flesh and blood. <laughs> I'll broach the tadpole on my rapier's point. Nurse, give it me. My sword shall soon dispatch it. 
Sooner this sword, sooner this sword shall plow thy bowels up. Stay, nurse, nurse, and draw. Stay, murderous villains. Will you kill your brother? <clears throat> now, by the burning tapers in the sky that shone so brightly when this boy was got, he dies upon my scimitar, scimitar's sharp point that touches this my firstborn son and heir. I tell you, younglings, not Enceladus with all his threatening band of Typhon's brood, nor great Alcides, nor the god of war shall seize this prey out of his father's hand. What, what, ye sanguine, shallow-hearted boys, ye white-limed walls, ye alehouse-painted sighs, signs, coal black is better than another hue, in that it scorns to bear another hue. For all the water in the ocean can never turn the swan's black lakes to white, although she laves them hourly in the flood. Tell the empress from me, I am of age, to keep mine own. Excuse it how she can. Wilt thou betray thy noble mistress thus? My mistress is my mistress, this myself, the vigor and the picture of my youth. This before all the world do I prefer. This mauger all the world will I keep safe, or some of you shall smoke for it in Rome. By this our mother is forever shamed. Rome will despise her for this foul escape. The emperor in his rage will doom her death. I blush to think upon this ignominy. Why, there's the privilege your beauty bears. Fie, treacherous hue, that will betray with blushing the close and acts and counsels of thy heart. Here's a young lad framed with another leer. Look how the black slave smiles upon the father, as who should say, old lad, I am thine own. He is your brother, lords, sensibly fed of that self-blood that first gave life to you. And from your womb where you where, and from your womb where you imprisoned were, he is enfranchised and come to light. Nay, he is your brother by the sure side, although my seal be stamped in his face. Aaron, what shall I say unto the Empress? Advise thee, Aaron, what is to be done, and we will all subscribe to thy advice. Save thou the child, so we may all be safe. Then sit down and let us all consult. My son and I will have the wind of you. Keep there. Now talk at pleasure of your safety. They sit. How many women saw this child of his? Why, so brave, lords. Will you join in league? Uh, why, why so brave, lords? When we join in league, I am a lamb. But if you brave the moor, the chafe it bore, the mountain lioness, the ocean swells not so as Aaron storms. But say again, how many saw the child? Cornelia, the midwife, and myself, and no one else but the delivered empress. <laughs> the empress? the midwife, and yourself. 
two may keep counsel when the third's away. Go to the Empress. Tell her this, I said. <laughs> so cries a pig prepared to the spit. <laughs> what meanest thou, Aaron? Wherefore didst thou this? Oh, Lord, sir. Tis a deed of policy. Shall she live to betray this guilt of ours? A long-tongued, babbling gossip? No, lords, no. And now, and now it be known to you my full intent. Not far, one mutilous, my countryman, his, his wife, but yesternight was brought to bed. His child is like to her, fair as you are. Go pack with them. And give the mother gold, and tell them both the circumstance of all, and how by this their child shall be advanced, and be received for the emperor's heir, and substituted in the place of mine to calm this tempest whirling in the court, and let the emperor dandle him for his own. Hark ye, lords. See, I have given her physic. Pointing to the nurse. And you must needs bestow her funeral. The fields are near, and you are gallant grooms. This done, see you take no longer days, but send the midwife presently to me. The midwife and the nurse well made away, then let the ladies tattle what they please. Erin, I see thou wilt not trust the heir with secret. <clears throat> For this case, for this care of Tamara, herself and hers are highly bound to thee. Isn't Demetrius and Chiron bearing off the nurse's body? Now to the Goths, as swift as swallow flies, there to dispose this treasure in mine arms, and secretly to greet the Empress' friends. Come, come on, you thick lips, slave. I'll bear you hence. For it is you that puts us to our shifts. I'll make you feed on berries and on roots, and feed on curds and whey, and suck the coat, and suck the goat, and cabin in a cave, and bring you up to be a warrior and command a camp. Exit. Scene three, the same a public place. Enter Titus bearing her anger arrows with hers at the ends of them. With him, Marcus, Marcus Yannis, Publius, Sempronius, Caius, Ish, and other gentlemen with bows. Come, Marcus. Come, kinsman, this is the way. Sir boy, now let me see your archery. Look, you draw home enough, and tis there straight. Terris Astrea reliquit. You remembered, Marcus, she's gone, she's fled. Sirs, take you to your tools. You, cousins, shall go sound the ocean and cast your nets. Happily you may catch her the sea, yet there's as little justice as at land. No, Publius and Sopronius, you must not do it. Tis you must dig with mattock and with spade and pierce the inmost center of the earth. Then, when you come to Pluto's region, I pray you deliver him this petition. Tell him... It is for justice and for aid, and that it comes from old Andronicus, shaken with sorrows and ungrateful Rome. Ah, Rome. Well, well, I have made thee miserable what time I threw the people's suffrages on him that thus doth tyrannize o'er me. 
Go, get you gone, and pray, be careful all, and leave you not a man of war unsearched. This wicked emperor may have shipped her heads, and kinsmen, then we may go pipe for justice. O oh, Publius, is not this a heavy case to see thy noble uncle thus distract? Therefore, my lord, it highly us concerns by day and night to attend him carefully, and feed his humor kindly as we may, till time beget some careful remedy. Kinsmen, his sorrows are past remedy. Join with the Goths, and with revengeful war take wreak on Rome for this ingratitude, and vengeance on the traitor Saturnine. Publius, how now? How now, my masters? What, have you met with her? No, my good lord, but Pluto sends your word. If you will have revenge from hell, you shall. Mary, for justice, she is so employed. He thinks with Jove in heaven, or somewhere else, so that per, uh, perforce you must need stay a time. He doth me wrong to feed me with delays. I'll dive into the burning lake below and pull her out of Acheron by the heels. Marcus, we are but shrubs, no cedars, we, no big-boned men framed of the cyclops' size. But metal, Marcus, steel to the very back yet wrong with wrongs more than our backs can bear. And since there's no justice in earth nor hell, we will solicit heaven and move the gods to send down justice or to wreak our wrongs. Come, to this gear. You're a good archer, Marcus. He gives them the arrows. Ad Jovum, that's for you. Here. Here, ad Apollinum. Ad Martum, that's for myself. Here, boy, to Pallas. Here, to Mercury. To Saturn, Caius, not to Saturnine. You were as good to shoot against the wind. To it, boy. Marcus, loose when I bid. Of my word I have written to effect there's not a god left unsolicited. Kinsman, shoot all your shafts into the court. We will afflict the emperor in his pride. Now, masters, draw. They shoot. Oh, well said, Lucius. Good boy, in Virgo's lap, give it to Pelis. My lord, I aim a mile beyond the moon. Your letter is with Jupiter by this. <laughs> Publius. Publius, what hast thou done? See, see, thou hast shot off one of Taurus' horns. This was the sport, my lord, when Publius shot the bull, being galled, gave Ares such a knock that down fell both the ram's horns in the court. And who should find them but the empress's villain? She laughed and told the Moor he should not choose, but give them to his master for a present. Why, there it goes. God give his lordship joy. Enter a clown with a basket and two pigeons in it. News. News from heaven. Marcus, the post has come. Sira, what tidings? Have you any letters? Shall I have justice? What says Jupiter? Who oh, the gibbet maker? He says that he hath taken them down again, for the man must not be hanged until next week. But what says Jupiter, I ask thee? Alas, sir, I know not Jupiter. I never drank with him in all my life. Why, villain, art thou not the carrier? Aye, of my pigeons, sir, nothing else. Why didst thou not come from heaven? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
last, sir. I never came there. God forbid I should be so bold to press to heaven in my young days. Why, I am going with my pigeons to the tribunal plans to take up a matter of brawl betwixt my uncle and one of the imperial's men. Why, sir, that is as fit as can be to serve for your oration and let him deliver the pigeons to the emperor from you. Tell me, can you deliver an oration to the emperor with a grace? Nay, truly, sir, I could never say grace in all my life. Sirrah, come hither. Make no more ado, but give your pigeons to the emperor. By me thou shalt have justice at his hands. Hold, hold. Meanwhile, here's money for thy charges. Give me pen and ink. Sarah, can you with grace deliver a supplication? Aye, sir. Then here is a supplication for you. And when you come to him, at the first approach, you must kneel, then kiss his foot, then deliver up your pigeons, and then look for your reward. I'll be at hand, sir, see you do it bravely. I warn, sir, let me alone. <laughs> Sarah, hast thou a knife? Come. Let me see it. Here, Marcus, fold it in the oration, for thou hast made it like an humble supplicant. And when thou hast given it the emperor, knock at my door and tell me what he says. God be with you, sir. I will. Come, Marcus, let us go. Publius, follow me. Exit. Act or scene four, the same before the palace. Enter Saturninus, Tamara, Demetrius, Chiron, lords, and others. Saturninus with the arrows in his hand that Titus shot. My lords, what wrongs are these? Was ever seen an emperor in Rome thus overborne, troubled, confronted thus? And for the extent of legal justice used in such contempt, my lords, you know, as know the mightful gods. However, these disturbers of our peace buzz in the people's ears, and not hath passed but even with this law against the willful sons of old Andronicus. And what, and if his horrors have so overwhelmed his wits, shall we be thus afflicted in his reeks, his fits, his frenzy, and his bitterness? And now he writes to heaven for his redress. See, here, hmm? here's to Jove, yep, and this to Mercury, this to Apollo, this to the God of War. Sweet scrolls, just, oh, just fly about the streets of Rome. <laughs> What's this libel that gets the Senate and blazing out in justice everywhere? A goodly humor, is it not, my lords? In Rome, no justice work. But if I think his feigned ecstasies shall be no shelter to these outrages, but he and his shall know that justice lives in Saturninus's health, whom, if she speak, he'll so awake as she in fury shall cut off the proud conspirator that lives. My gracious lord, my lovely Saturnine, lord of my life, commander of my thoughts, calm thee and bear the faults of Titus's age, the effects of sorrow for his valiant sons, whose loss has pierced him deep and scarred his heart. 
and rather comfort his distressed plight than prosecute the meanest or the best for these contempts. Why thus it shall become high-witted Tamara to glows with all. But Titus, I have touched thee too quick. Thy lifeblood out. If Aaron now be wise, means all safe. The anchor's in the port. Enter clown. How now, good fellow? Wouldst thou speak with us? Yea, forsooth, then your mistership be imperial. Empress I am, but yonder sits the emperor. Oh, tis he. God and Saint Stephen give you good den. I have brought you a letter and a couple of pigeons here. Saturninus reads the letter. Go take him away and hang him presently. How much money must I have? Come, Sarah, you must be hanged. Hanged? By our lady. And I have brought up a neck to a fair end. Exit guarded. Despiteful and intolerable wrongs. Shall I endure this monstrous villainy? I know from whence this same device proceeds. May this be born, as if his traitor's sons that died by law for murder of our brother have by my means been butchered wrongfully. Go, drag the villain hither by the hair. Nor age nor honor shall shape privilege for this proud mock. I'll be thy slaughter. Sly frantic wretch that hopes to make me great and hope thyself should govern Rome and me. Enter Emilius. <laughs> what news with thee, Emilius? Arm, arm, my lord. Rome, had ne Rome never had more cause. The Goths have gathered head, and with a power high resolved men, bent to the spoil, they hither march amain under conduct of Lucius, son to old Andronicus who threats, in course of this revenge, to do as much as Coriolanus ever did. Is more like Lucius, general of the Goths. These tidings meet me, and I hang the head as flowers with frost or grass beat down with storms. I now begin our sorrows to approach. To see the common people love so much. Myself have often overheard them say when I have walked, like a private man, that Lucius's banishment was wrongfully and they have wished that Lucius were their emperor. Why should you fear? Is not the city strong? Aye, but the citizens favor Lucius and will revolt for me to succor him. Be thy thoughts imperious, like thy name. Is the sun dimmed that gnats do fly in it? The eagle suffers little birds to sing and is not careful what they mean thereby, knowing that with the shadow of his wing he can at pleasure stint their melody. In so mayst thou the giddy men of Rome. And cheer thy spirit, for know thou, emperor, I will enchant the old Andronicus with words more sweet and yet more dangerous than baits to fish or honey stalks to sheep. And as the one is wounded with the bait, the other rotted with delicious feed. But he will not entreat a son for us. If Tamara entreat him, then he will. For I can smooth and fill his aged ear with golden promises. 
that were his heart almost impregnable, his old ears deaf, yet should both ear and heart obey my tongue. Go thou before, be our ambassador. Say that the emperor requests a parley of warlike Lucius and appoint the meeting even at his father's house, the old Andronicus. <clears throat> Emilius, do this message honorably. And if he stand on hostage for his safety, bid him demand what pledge will please him best. Your bidding shall I do effectually. Exit. How will I to that old Andronicus and temper him with all the art I have to pluck proud Lucius from the warlike Goths? And now, sweet emperor, be blithe again and bury all thy fear in my devices. Well, then go successively and plead to him. Exit. Act 5, scene 1, plains near Rome. Enter Lucius with an army of Goths with drum and colors. Approved warriors and my faithful friends, I have received letters from great Rome which signify what hate they bear their emperor and how desirous of our sight they are. Therefore, great lords, be as your titles witness, imperious and impatient of your wrongs, and wherein Rome hath done you any scathe, let him make treble satisfaction. Brave slip sprung from the great Andronicus, whose name was once our terror, now our comfort, whose high exploits and honorable deeds in grateful Rome requites with foul contempt, be bold in us. We'll follow where thou leadst, like stinging bees in hottest summer's day, led by their master to the flowered fields, and be avenged on cursed Tamar. I humbly thank him, and I thank you all. But who comes here, led by a lusty goth? Enter a goth leading Aaron with his child in his arms. Renowned Lucius, from our troops I strayed to gaze upon a ruinous monastery. And as I earnestly did fix mine eye upon the wasted building, suddenly I heard a child cry underneath a wall. I made unto the noise. When soon I heard the crying babe controlled with this discourse, peace, tawny slave, half me and half thy dam. Did not thy hue beret whose brat thou art, had nature lent thee but thy mother's look, villain, thou mightst have been an emperor. But where the bull and cow are both milk white, they never do beget a coal black calf. Peace, villain, peace. Even thus he rates the babe. For I must bear thee to a trusty goth, who when he knows thou art the empress babe, will hold, hold thee dearly for thy mother's sake. With this, my weapon drawn, I rushed upon him, surprised him suddenly, and brought him hither, to use as you think needful of the man. A worthy goth. This is the incarnate devil that robbed Andronicus of his good hand. This is the pearl that pleased your empress's eye, and here's the base fruit of his burning lust. Say while I denave whether wouldst thou convey this growing image of thy fiend-like face. Why dost not speak? What? Deaf? Not a word. A halter, soldiers. Hang him, and by his side his fruit of bastardy. Touch not the boy, he is of royal blood. 
to like the sire forever being good. First, hang the child that he may see it sprawl, a sight to vex the father's soul withal. Get me a ladder. A ladder brought, which Aaron is made to ascend. Lucius, save the child, and bear it from me to the empress. If thou wilt do this, I'll show thee wondrous things that highly may advantage thee to hear. If thou wilt not, befall what may befall. I'll speak no more, but vengeance wrought you all. Say on, and if it please me, which thou speakest, my child shall live, and I will see it nourished. <laughs> if it please thee? <laughs> Why, assure thee, Lucius, t'will vex thy soul to hear what I shall speak. For I must talk of murders, rapes, and massacres, acts of black night, abominable deeds, complots of mischief, treason, villainies, ruthful to hear, yet pitilessly performed. And this shall be buried in my death, unless thou swear to me my child shall live. Tell on thy mind, I say thy child shall live. Swear that he shall. And then I will begin. <laughs> Who should I swear by? Thou believest no God, thou, that granted how canst thou believe an oath? What if I do not? As if indeed I do not. Yet for I know thou art religious, and hast a thing in and hast a thing within thee called conscious, with twenty popish tricks and ceremonies which I have seen thee careful to observe. Therefore I urge thy oath. For that I know an idiot holds his bauble for a god, and keeps the oath which by that god he swears, to that I'll urge him. Therefore thou, therefore thou shalt vow by that same god, what god swear it be, that thou adorest and hast in reverence, to save my boy, to nourish and bring him up, or else I will discover not to thee. Even by my God, I swear to thee I will. First know thou, I begot him on the Empress. The most insatiate and luxurious woman. Tut, Lucius, this was but a deed of charity. To that which, to that which thou, to which thou, Jesus, to that which thou shalt hear of me anon. T'was her two sons, that, Bassi that murdered Bassianus. They cut out thy sister's tongue and ravished, and ravished her, and cut her hands and trimmed her, and trimmed her as thou sawst. Thou detestable villain, callst thou that trimming? Why, she was washed and cut and trimmed, and t'was trim sport for them which had the doing of it. Who barbarous beastly villain like thyself? Indeed, I was their tutor to instruct them. That carding spirit had they from their mother, as sure a card as ever won the set. That bloody mind, I think they learned of me, as true a dog as ever fought at head. Well, let my deeds be witness of my worth. I trained thy brethren to that guileful, guileful hole where the dead corpse of Bassianus lay. 
I wrote the letter that thy father found and hid the gold within the letter mentioned, confederate with the queen and her two sons. And what not done that thou hast caused to rue, wherein I had no stroke of mischief in it? I played the cheater for thy father's hand, and when I had it, drew myself apart and almost broke my heart with extreme laughter. I pried me through a crevice of a wall, and when for his hand he had his two sons' heads, beheld his tears, and laughed so heartily that both mine eyes were rainy like to his. And when, the emp and when I told the empress of this sport, she sounded almost at my pleasing tale, and for my tidings gave me twenty kisses. What, canst thou say all this and never blush? Aye, like a black dog as the saying is. Art thou not sorry for these heinous deeds? Aye, that I had not done a thousand more. Even now I curse the day, and yet I think few come within the compass of my curse, wherein I did not some notorious ill as kill a man, or else devise his death, ravish a maid, or plot the way to do it. Accuse some innocent and forswear myself, set deadly enmity between two friends, make poor men's cattle break their necks, set fires on barns and haystacks in the night, and bid the owners quench them with their tears. Oft have I digged up de dead men from their graves and set them upright at their dear friend's door, even when their sorrows almost were forgot, and on their skins as on the barks of trees have with my knife carved in Roman letters, let not your sorrow die, though I am dead. Tut, I have done a thousand dreadful things as willingly as one would kill a fly. But nothing grieves me heartily indeed, but that I cannot do ten thousand more. Bring down the devil, for he must not die, so sweet a death is hanging presently. If there be devils, would I were a devil to live and burn in everlasting fire so I might have your company in hell but to torment you with my bitter tongue? Sirs, stop his mouth and let him speak no more. Enter a gulf. My lord, there is a messenger from Rome desires to be admitted to your presence. Let him come near. Enter Amelius. Welcome, Amelius. What's the news from Rome? Lord Lucius, and you princes of the Goths, the Roman emperor greets you all by me, and, for he understands you are in arms, he craves a parley at your father's house, willing you to demand your hostages, and they shall be immediately delivered. What says our general? Amelius, let the emperor give his pledges. Unto my father and Uncle Marcus, and we will come. March away. Excellent. Scene two, Rome before Titus's house. Enter Tamara, Demetrius, and Chiron disguised. Thus, in this strange and sad habiliment, I will encounter with Andronicus and say I am revenge, sent from below to join with him and right his heinous wrongs. Knock at his study, where they say he keeps, to ruminate strange plots of dire revenge. Tell him revenge is come to join with him, and work confusion on his enemies. 
me knock, enter Titus above. Who doth molest my contemplation? Is it your trick to make me ope the door that so my sad decrees may fly away and all my study be to no effect? You are deceived. For what I mean to do, see here in bloody lines I have set down and what is written shall be executed. Titus, I am come to talk with thee. No, not a word. How can I grace my talk, wanting a hand to give it action? Thou hast the odds of me, therefore no more. If thou didst know me, thou wouldst talk with me. I am not mad. I know thee well enough. Witness this wretched stump. Witness these crimson lines. Witness these trenches made by grief and care. Witness the tiring day and heavy night. Witness all sorrow that I know thee well for our proud empress, mighty Tamra. Is not thy coming for my other hand? No, thou sad man, I am not Tamra. She is thine enemy and I thy friend. I am revenge sent from the infernal kingdom to ease the gnawing vulture of thy mind by working wreakful vengeance on thy foes. Come down and welcome me to this world's light. Confer with me of murder and of death. There's not a hollow cave or lurking place, no vast obscurity or misty veil where bloody murder or detested rape can couch for fear. But I will find them out and in their ears tell them my dreadful name, revenge which makes the foul offender quake. Art thou revenge? And art thou sent to me to be a torment to mine enemies? I am. Therefore come down and welcome me. Do me some service ere I come to thee. Lo, by thy side where rape and murder stands. Now give me some assurance that thou art revenge. Stab them or tear them on thy chariot wheels, and then I'll come and be thy wagoner and whirl along with thee about the globe. Provide thee two proper palfreys, black as jet, to hail thy vengeful wagon swift away and find out murderers in their guilty caves. And when thy car is loaden with their heads, I will dismount and by the wagon wheel trot like a servile footman all day long even from Hyperion's rising in the east until his very downfall in the sea. And by day, I'll do this heavy task so thou destroy rapine and murder there. These are my ministers and come with me. Are these thy ministers? What are they called? Rapine and murder. Therefore call it so because they take vengeance on such kind of men. Good Lord, how like the Empress' sons they are, and you the Empress. <laughs> but we worldly men have miserable, mad, mistaking eyes. Oh, sweet revenge, now do I come to thee, and if one arm's embracement will content thee, I will embrace thee in it by and by. Exit above. His chosen his lunacy. Whate'er I forge to feed his brain-sick fits, do you uphold and maintain in your speeches? For now he firmly takes me for revenge. And being credulous in this mad thought, I'll make him send for Lucius, his son, 
and whilst I at a banquet hold him sure, I'll find some cunning practice out of hand to scatter and disperse his giddy goths, or at the least make him, them his enemies. See, here he comes, and I must ply my theme. Enter Titus below. Long have I been forlorn and all for thee. <clears throat> Welcome, dread fury, to my woeful house. Rapine and murder, you are welcome too. How like the Empress and her sons you are. Well are you fitted, had you but a more. Could not all hell afford you such a devil? For well I wot the Empress never wags, but in her company there is a more. And would you represent our queen aright, it were convenient you had such a devil. But welcome you are. What shall we do? What wouldst thou have us do, Andronicus? Show me a murderer. I'll deal with him. <clears throat> Show me a villain that hath done a rape, and I am sent to be revenged on him. Show me a thousand that have done thee wrong, and I will be revenged on them all. Look round about the wicked streets of Rome, and when thou findst a man that's like thyself, good murder, stab him. He's a murderer. Go thou with him, and when it is thy hap to find another that is like to thee, good rapine, stab him. He's a ravisher. Go thou with them, and in the emperor's court there is a queen attended by a moor. Well mayst thou know her by thy own proportion, for up and down she doth resemble thee. I pray thee, do on them some violent death. They have been violent to me and mine. Well, hast thou lessened us. This shall we do. But would it please thee, good Andronicus, to send for Lucius, thy thrice valiant son, who leads towards Rome a band of warlike Goths, and bid him come and banquet at thy house. When he is here, even at thy solemn feast, I will bring in the empress and her sons, the emperor himself and all thy foes, and at thy mercy shall they stoop and kneel, and on them shalt thou and on them thou ease thy angry heart. What says Andronicus to this device? Marcus, my brother. Tis sad Titus calls. To Marcus. Go, gentle Marcus, to thy nephew Lucius. Thou shalt inquire him out among the Goths. Bid him repair to me and bring with him some of the chiefest princes of the Goths. Bid him encamp his soldiers where they are. Tell him the emperor and the empress too feast at my house, and he shall feast with them. This do thou for my love, and so let him as he regards his aged father's life. This will I do, and soon return again. Exit. Now will I hence about my business and take my ministers along with me. Nay, nay, let rape and, mur uh, rape and murder stay with me, or else I'll call my brother back again and cleave to no revenge but Lucius. What say, boys? Will you bide with him? Whilst I go tell my lord, the emperor, how I have governed our determined jest? Yield to his humor, smooth and speak him fair, and tarry with him till I turn again. I know them all, though they suppose me mad, and will o'erreach them in their own devices. A pair of cursed hellhounds, and they're damned. 
Madam, depart at pleasure. Leave us here. Farewell, Andronicus. Revenge now goes to lay a compot to betray thy foes. I know thou dost, and sweet revenge, farewell. Exit Tamara. Alice, old man, how shall we be employed? Tad, I have work enough for you to do. Publius, come hither. Caius and Valentine. Enter Publius and others. What is your will? Know you these two? The Empress sons? I take them, Chiron and Demetrius. Fie, Publius, fie! Thou art too much deceived. This one is murder. Mm. Rape is the other's name. Mm. And therefore bind them, gentle Publius. Caius and Valentine, lay hands on them. Oft have you heard of me wish for such an hour, and now I find it. Therefore bind them sure and stop their mouths if they begin to cry. Exit. Publius and company lay hold on Chiron and Demetrius. Villains! Forbear! We are the Empress' sons! And therefore do we what we are commanded. Stop. Close their mouths. Let them not speak a word. Is he sure bound? Look that you bind them fast. Three enter Titus with Lavinia, he bearing a knife and she a basin. Come, come, Lavinia. Look, thy foes are bound. Sirs, stop their mouths. Let them not speak to me, but let them hear what fearful words I utter. O oh, villains, Chiron and Demetrius, here stands the spring whom you have stained with mud, this goodly summer with your winter mixed. You killed her husband, and for that vile fault two of her brothers were condemned to death. My hand cut off and made a merry jest. Both her sweet hands, her tongue, and that more dear than hands or tongue, her spotless chastity, inhuman traitors, you constrained and forced. What would you say if I should let you speak? <laughs> for shame you could not beg for grace, Hark, wretches, how I mean to martyr you. This one hand yet is left to cut your throats, whilst that Lavinia between her stumps doth hold the basin that recovers your guilty blood. You know your mother means to feast with me and calls herself revenge and thinks me mad. Hark, villains, I will grind your bones to dust and with your blood, and it I'll make a paste, and of the paste a coffin I will rear, and make two pasties of your shameful heads, and bid that strumpet, your unhallowed dam, like to the earth, swallow her own increase. This is the feast that I have bid her to, and this the banquet she shall serve it on. For worse than Philomel you used my daughter, and worse than Prongne I will be revenged. And now prepare your throats. Lavinia, come. He cuts their throats. Receive the blood, and when they are dead, let me go grind their bones to powder small, and with this hateful liquor temperate. And in that paste, let their vile heads be baked. Come, come, be everyone officious to make this banquet, which I may prove more stern and bloody than the centaur's feast. So now bring them in, for I'll play the cook, 
and see them ready against their mother comes. Exempt, bearing the dead bodies. Scene three, court of Titus's house, a banquet set out. Enter Lucius, Marcus, and Goths with Aaron prisoner. Uncle Marcus, since it is my father's mind that to Rome I am content. And ours with thine, befall what fortune will. Good uncle, take you in this barbarous moor, this ravenous tiger, this accursed devil. Let him receive no sustenance. Fetter him till he be brought unto the empress's face, her testimony of her foul proceedings, and see the ambush of our friends be strong. I fear the emperor <clears throat> means no good to us. Some devil whisper curses in my ear and prompts me that my tongue may utter forth the venomous malice of my swelling heart. Away, inhuman dog! Unhallowed knave, sirs, help our uncle to convey him in. Exent Goths with Aaron flourish within. The trumpets show that the emperor is at hand. Enter Saturninus and Tamara with Aemilius, tribunes, senators, and others. What? Hath the firmament more sons than one? What boots it thee to call thyself a son? Rome's emperor and nephew break the parl. These quarrels must be quietly debated. The feast is ready, which the careful Titus hath ordained to an honorable end for peace, for love, for league, and good to Rome. Please you, therefore, draw nigh and take your places. Marcus? We will. Hot boys sound, the company sits down at table. Enter Titus, dressed like a cook, Lavinia veiled, young Lucius and others. Titus places the dishes on the table. Welcome, <clears throat> my gracious lord. Welcome, dread queen. Welcome, ye warlike Goths. Welcome, Lucius, and welcome all. Although the cheer be poor, twill fill your stomachs. Please you eat of it. Why art thou thus attired, Androticus? <laughs> because I would be sure to have all well, to entertain your highness and your imps. We are beholding to you, good Andronicus. And if your highness knew my heart, you were. My lord the emperor, resolve me this. Was it well done of rash Virginius to slay his daughter with his own right hand because she was enforced, stained, and deflowered? Yeah, it was, Andronicus. Your reason, mighty lord? <sighs> because the girl should not survive her shame and by her presence still renew his sorrows. A reason mighty, strong, and effectual. A pattern, precedent, and lively warrant for me, most wretched to perform the like. Die, die, Lavinia, and thy shame with thee. Those Lavinia. And with thy shame, thy father's sorrow, die. What hast thou done, unnatural and unkind? Killed her for whom my tears have made me blind. I am as woeful as Virginius was, and have a thousand times more cause than he to do this outrage. And now tis done. What, was she ravished? Tell me, who did the deed? Will please you eat? 
Will please your highness feed? Why hast thou slain thine only daughter thus? Not I. T'was Chiron and Demetrius. They ravished her and cut away her tongue. And they, t'was they that did her all this wrong. Go fetch them hither to us presently. Why, there they both are, baked in that pie whereof thy mother daintily hath fed, eating the flesh that she herself hath bred. Tis true, tis true, witness my knife's sharp point. Kills <laughs> Tamara. Die, you frantic wretch, for this accursed deed! Kills Titus. Can the son's eye behold his father bleed? There's mead for mead, death for a deadly deed. Kills Saturnale. Great tumult. Lucius, Marcus, and others go up into the balcony. You sad-faced men, people and sons of Rome, by uproar severed like a flight of fowl, scattered by winds and high tempestuous gusts. Oh, let me teach you how to knit again this scattered corn into one mutual sheaf, these broken limbs again into one body, lest Rome herself be bane unto herself, and she whom mighty kingdoms curtsy to like a forlorn and desperate castaway, do shameful execution on herself. But if my frosty signs and chaps of age, grave witnesses of true experience, cannot induce you to attend my words. Speak, Rome's dear friend, as erst our ancestor, when with his solemn tongue he did discourse to lovesick Dido's sad attending ear, the story of that faithful burning night when subtle Greeks surprised King Priam's Troy. Tell us what Sinon hath bewitched our ears or who hath brought the fatal engine in that gives our Troy, our Rome, the civil wound. My heart is not compact of flint nor steel, nor can I utter all our bitter grief, but floods of tears will drown my oratory and break my utterance even in the time when it should move you to attend me most, lending your kind commiseration. Here is a captain. Let him tell the tale. Your hearts will throb and weep to hear him speak. Then, noble auditory, be it known to you that cursed Chiron and Demetrius, for they that murdered our emperor's brother. And they it were that ravished our sister. For their fell faults, our brothers were beheaded, our father's tears despised and basely cousined. Of that true hand that fought Rome's quarrel out and sent her enemies unto the grave. Lastly, myself, unkindly banished the gates shut on me and turned weeping out to beg relief among Rome's enemies who drowned their enmity in my true tears and oped their arms to embrace me as a friend. I am the turned forth, be it known to you, that have preserved her welfare in my blood and from her bosom took the enemy's point, sheathing the steel in my adventurous body. 
Alas, you know I am no vaunter. I, my scars, to witness. Dumb, although they are, that my report is just and full of truth. But soft. Methinks I do digress too much, citing my worthless praise. Pardon me. When no friends are by, men praise themselves. Now is my turn to speak. Behold this child. Pointing to the child's in the arms of the attendant. Of this was Tamara delivered, the issue of an irreligious moor, chief architect and plotter of these woes. The villain is alive in Titus's house, and as he is, to witness this is true. Now judge what cause had Titus to revenge these wrongs, unspeakable, past patience, or more than any living man could, could bear. Now you have heard the truth. What say you Romans? Have we done aught amiss? Show us wherein, and from the place where you behold us now, the poor remainder of Andronicae will hand in hand all headlong cast us down, and on the ragged stones beat forth our brains and make a mutual closure of our house. Speak, Romans, speak. And if you say we shall, lo, hand in hand, Lucius and I will fall. Come, come, thou reverend man of Rome, and bring our emperor gently in thy hand, Lucius, our emperor. For well I know, the common voice do cry, it shall be so. Lucius, Lucius all, hail. all hail Rome's royal, royal emperor. emperor. Go, go into old Titus's sorrowful house, and hither hail that misbelieving moor to be a judge some direful, slaughtering death as punishment for his most wicked life. Exempt attendants, Lucius and Marcus and the others descend. Lucius, Lucius. all hail Rome's Rome. gracious governor. Thanks, gentle Romans. May I govern so to heal Rome's harms and wipe away her, her wipe away her woe. The gentle people give me aim while for nature puts me to a heavy task. Stand all aloof, but uncle, draw you near to shed obsequious tears upon this trunk. I'll take this warm kiss on thy pale cold lips. Kissing Titus. These sorrowful drops upon thy blood-stained face, the last true duties of thy noble son. Tear for tear, and loving kiss for kiss. Thy brother Marcus tenders on thy lips. Oh, were the sum of these that I should pay countless and infinite, yet I would pay them. Come hither, boy. Come. Come and learn of us to melt in showers. Thy grandsire loved thee well. Many a times he danced thee on his knee, sung thee asleep, his loving breast thy pillow. Many a matter hath he told to thee meet and agreeing with thine infancy. In that respect, like a loving child, shed some small drops from thy tender spring, because kind nature doth require it so. Friends should associate with friends in grief and woe. 
Bid him farewell. Commit him to the grave. Do him that kindness and take leave of him. Grandsire. Grandsire. Even with all my heart would I were dead so you did live again. Lord, I cannot speak to him for weeping. My tears will choke me if I open my mouth. Re-enter attendance with Aaron. You sad Andronikai, have done with woes. Give sentence on this execrable wretch that hath been breeder of these dire events. Set him breast deep in earth and famish him. There let him stand and rave and cry for food. If anyone relieves or pities him for the offense, he dies. This is our doom. Some stay to see him fastened in the earth. Ah, uh, why should wrath be mute and fury dumb? I am no baby, I, that with base prayers I should repent the evils I have done. Ten thousand worse than ever yet I did would I perform if I might, if I might have my will. If one good deed in all my life I did, I do repent it from my very soul. Some loving friends convey the emperor hence and give him burial in his father's grave. My father in Lavinia shall forthwith be closed in our household's monuments. And for that heinous tiger Tamra, no funeral rites, no man in mourning weeds, no mournful bell shall ring her burial but throw her forth to beasts and birds of prey. Her life was beast-like and devoid of pity. And being so, she'll have like want of pity. See justice done on Aaron, that damned more by whom our heavy haps had their beginning. Then afterwards, to order well the state that like events may ne'er it ruinate. Exit. The end.